0: Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 33, cheeseburgers, french fries, and milkshakes. The Tiger Woods Special. In the bank on the Watch out. The comp- Chillonians. This is now our Thursday edition. So you're comp- due to get some nice picks in. Fill up your wallet a little bit with our bets of the week. At least Eddie and myself's bets of the week. Maybe just don't listen to Sam, although he says he's got a banger of a bet this week. He's going to go all in on. So stay tuned for more of that. So he could deliberating, deliberating. (laughs) If I'm going or broke, (laughs) that's depressing
1: because we only started this like a month ago, and I'm a hundred (laughs) k down.
0: You're. You're soon to going to be that guy whenever Eddie and I used to walk into the William Hill for Royal Ascot. And we see that that person sitting there at three in the afternoon, betting 50 cents on a greyhound race and then turning around and smashing a chair when it loses. <laughs> That's no, you know, you by next week,
2: you know who he is. He's Austin. Because there was that time when we were all a little bit up and we went to the the World Cup was on and we went to the uh, William Hill or Ladbrokes in Ascot and I gave him because while we were placing out the bets, I gave him like 20 pounds to use on the like roulette machine while we were figuring out what our accumulator was and literally handed him the 20 pounds, turned around to like put in my accumulator. And I would say no more than 20 seconds later, got a tap on his shoulder, just on my shoulder, just him being like, hey, can I have 20 pounds more?
0: Yeah. So those for those of you who don't know, Austin is a friend of ours that comes with us on the Royal Ascot trip and yeah, he was instantly pulled in by, I think it was roulette, which is yeah, so it was sad.
2: Virtual <laughs> all the roulette, colors. to be clear.
0: Virtual, virtual roulette. roulette in a betting shop.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bad. Like when I used to work in Labricks, I saw some great examples of these people that would come in and immediately, even at like 9 a.m., they would start betting hundreds. So it'll be £100 a go, £100 a go in the machines, whether it's whether it's in racing in like Singapore or something like that that's further in the time zone. And then slowly but surely, hour by hour, you would just see that stake dwindle. And I have seen someone, no word of a lie, been in the shop for about 14 hours. So from when I opened to when I shut. And by the end of it, it was like 50p, 25p, 17p. <laughs> It's it's actually it's a pretty depressing reality to someone's mental state, but yeah, it's um I'm glad Austin didn't seem to go down that dark path.
2: Did you give well, him another twenty? He could have done.
0: We had to get him out. He
2: was <laughs> Yeah, he's lucky that they are <laughs> grabbing
0: like on grabbing genre. onto
2: yeah. the walls as you <laughs>
0: He didn't at least get to the stage when you walk into the William Hill in the more shady part of town and then you see just like three teenage boys smashing on the machine screaming. He didn't get to that stage. So that was good. <laughs> so, yeah, I have to say I'm pretty excited that we get to watch some football this weekend because I finally finished Friday Night Lights. I had never gotten through all five seasons and I did a full rewatch. Well, I guess it wouldn't be a rewatch. I did a full rewatch of the first three and then finished the last two bangers of a season with Michael B. Jordan in it. It was uh, quite emotional that last episode. So I think one day once the NFL season ends, we should do like a where are they now in the fake terms of Friday Night Lights and see who could potentially still be playing and who would be in jail and who will be dead. I think that would make for a really good episode. And that gives Sam some time to at least watch the first season. Because the first season's pretty good. After that, it gets a little too uh like television sitcommy. Wait, so how long have I got to watch it? And how many seasons? I've, I've At least to even. the end of NFL. And wow. and we'll just like as long as you watch the first season. I mean. I say that to, I say that after the first season, it got kind of sick comedy. But in the first season, there's a kid who becomes paralyzed. There's a murder. Not, not many like people laugh at that first sentence. Like it's like in one college team, like in one high school team, all of this happens. So maybe it's a little sick y in the first season, but mm-hmm. it but it feels legitimate. <laughs>
1: I, that I feel like you've given
0: away some things now. Like, should I have been no, some I way haven't. like, okay,
1: so I should just fully expect someone to get paralyzed now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think I it happens forward. in the
0: first episode. So I
1: look forward to it with the same level of
0: hysterics
1: that people getting paralyzed seems to cause you. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: turns out okay.
2: I think the great thing about the show, the great thing about the show is actually the storyline kind of never matters. It's one of those TV shows, it's enjoyable to watch, but it's one of those TV shows where what what's actually going on on the screen is almost irrelevant. You're just like sucked into these like minor, minor stories that kind of never really turn into anything major. And you're just there and there in the background, there's the occasional football scene. It's kind of a bunch of nothingness in a way that I think a TV show that attracted a lot of male viewers normally wouldn't have it's the perfect mix of like a show that appeals to all genders. I mean, that's where they struck gold. Yeah.
0: And I, and I will say the football scenes. So the football scenes themselves are really well done. Like they look realistic and almost as if they got maybe two actual high school teams to play each other for some of the plays, the plays themselves very unrealistic. Like, Every time they win, it's on like a last last second 50-yard touchdown play. Whether it's like a scramble, triple reverse throw, or like a fumble pickup for a touchdown. Like the plays themselves are unrealistic, but the actual visuals of the football is pretty good for a television show.
2: Yeah, the only other thing I will say is it feels like they recorded. They knew what the game-ending play was always going to be and then they recorded just a bunch of other footage to like mix in there for the for the like build up to that and so sometimes what you'll see is like they're on the game winning drive and they'll be like third and 12 from their own 33 and then next it's like first down from their own 40 <laughs> <laughs> like, and then, and then, like, and just nothing makes sense. Like that—that's the only element. And sometimes you think, like, oh, they've 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 made it into the other team's half, and then it's like final play of the game. They've got seventy <laughs> yards to go. <laughs> like, wait, what is what is just? Sounds,
1: it sounds just like a really poorly montage kind of thing, you know, where like they'll cut to one team and they'll be wearing like different jerseys. Then they'll cut to the other team and they'll be in a different stadium as they're driving or something like that.
2: But overall, it's really well done. I mean, I agree with Frank. The football scenes are actually really good, and, and it's pretty compelling in terms of how the team is doing. But yeah, it's a TV show, so everything comes down to the final play. They're always everything. in with it. It's never just like well, mediocre season, and we either won by ten or lost by ten. Like, guess, yeah. guess that's the way it went.
1: <laughs> is is it a comedy? Because Frank laughing at someone getting paralyzed, is a kind of like a comedy? No, no, no. A hold on, hold on. no, no. <laughs> like, I'm not Frank?
2: laughing
0: at him getting paralyzed. I'm laughing, <laughs> looking looking back no, no, no. on the just... situation of he hold becomes on. paralyzed and then what happens to him afterwards is it's so unrealistic that it's laughable.
2: Hold on a second. Frank, just to be clear, Frank laughed at three things from the Friday Night no, no. Lights storyline. A guy getting paralyzed murder and someone having sex with an underage child those are the three things that he found amusing
1: but it's not a comedy
2: okay yeah next no, up but on just... frank's frank's list of comedies he's going to be maybe we'll start doing recommendations at the end of the episode and he'll be like well my favorite comedy schindler's list
0: american psycho <laughs> No, but what I will say, so so I won't like it's not major spoiler because you're never gonna make it all the way to season four or five. But the why? kid who becomes paralyzed. Wait, wait,
2: wait! No, no, no! Why?
1: why? It's, think, what are they? Twelve hours long each episode. Yeah, I think there's Sam a, is they're an a hour.
0: Time. They're an hour long, and there's sixteen episodes a season for five seasons.
2: I think Sam's under lockdown. I think let's not rule out the possibility. Okay, okay. That
1: all right, all right. Over the next right, well, couple months, anything. he grinds well, out five seasons. What Eddie's trying to say
0: is, I'm sad and lonely. <laughs> yeah, and watching men fight over balls might be something you're interested in in lockdown. <laughs> wow. So- hold
2: on, hold on. I, I couldn't possibly be um, insulting you there, Sam, because Frank has just rewatched the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> <It's true. laughs> and he's not under lockdown.
1: Wait, rewatch. So is it quite a recent show?
2: No, it no. ended. I guess the final season was probably 10 years ago.
0: Actually. Oh, okay. You, yeah. So I it kind of clicked into my head that we might actually be hitting the 10-year anniversary because the last season they play in was 2010. That's what Big. it says on the actual show. So it might be a year or two behind that. So yeah, it's probably been about 10 years since it ended.
2: So we can try and get one, get some of them on for the ten year anniversary special. Oh, we we should.
0: I mean, no offense, but what is Matt Sarazen, the the real person, doing now?
2: Oh, I've seen him in other things.
0: I think <laughs> no he's actually way. Had
2: a, yeah, yeah, no, I have. I've seen him. I think you're right. There's some fairly major cast members who have gone on to do nothing. But I've I mean, seen you have
0: several up. that have done a lot. So you have yeah, yeah, Taylor Kitsch. Uh, you have like Tim Riggins. And then you have the the dorky kid. He's in a ton of stuff now.
2: I'm just gonna say, I think Taylor Kitsch would be surprisingly available now. I, he was just five, years a bunch ago, of stuff. five years ago. We might have five years ago. We might have struggled to get him, but I think I think his agenda is pretty clear right now.
0: Yeah. What if we got the whole cast back? <laughs> well, that's not gonna happen. No, wait, wait. It's even better. What if we got the whole cast back? And then we played an actual football game with them.
1: Um. I don't understand how you would do a podcast of that. Yeah,
2: We
0: would just, we would have, no, it's easy. We would have the actual announcer from the TV show announce us playing with the cast. Oh, so wait, why do we get to
2: play though? If the full cast is there, why are we in? (laughs)
0: So it
1: means that there's three casts So you brought the full cast back to just bench three of them?
0: (laughs) No, because
2: you you never see...
0: You never see anyone really on defense. So, like there's no one that's, that plays. There's only, I think, one person that is really highlighted that plays on the de- defensive side. So we could just play defense the whole time.
2: Okay, great. Sam, you're going to be the punter. No one's going like, to you that guy's cut. <laughs> interesting. Well, yeah, We the, the discussion that would be interesting. Let's just go. We'll do maybe a power ranking in the future of when you're discussing like where would their fictional characters be now? but just going off gut instinct frank which friday night lights character do you think would would have had the best nfl career
0: which one would have had the best nfl career and is yes. this based off of their actual trajectory in the show or just how they played in the show so what i'm saying is like tim riggins probably would have made a hell of a fullback but then on the show you see what happens to him and that way, I don't think he would have obviously made it into the NFL.
2: End of show. Like the whole story arc of the okay, show. Okay, the
0: whole oh taking into yeah. account their whole storylines. Okay, yeah, uh, definitely like you can't Smash be, Williams.
2: You, like you can't be. I can't remember the name of the quarterback who gets paralyzed. You can't say him yeah. minus the par- par- uh, paralysis.
0: I would say Smash Williams.
2: Even with his knee.
0: Yeah, because then in the well. I won't like it's really a spoiler, but in the fifth season, they show him on TV playing in college and he's doing really well. Yeah,
2: it's tough. Actually, it might be none of them.
0: Well, I mean, what is it? Ninety nine point eight percent of high school football players don't make it in the NFL. So
2: the odds are like, against them. I'll go like Matthew Saracen is the fourth string quarterback on the on the Patriots right now.
0: No way. Maybe Michael B. Jordan, with the, with like maybe he goes to a good college like Oklahoma, that respects the the run the RPO, and it gets him some fame a little bit. He's on a ranked team. People see things. They take a chance of on him in the draft. Maybe like fourth, fifth round.
2: Who's Michael B. Jordan? Is he Kyler Murray? Is that who he is? Yes. Yeah. For okay. sure. And Matthew Saracen is Tom Brady.
0: No, Matthew Saracen. Wait, 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 wait. Matthew Saracen is like that quarterback we talked about on the Lions that came in last year that we couldn't remember. Blau. Yeah. (laughs) It's like him.
2: Okay. He's Ben DiNucci.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he is a less cool Ben DiNucci. And that's not saying at all that Ben DiNucci is in any way cool.
1: (laughs) Oh.
2: Well, I guess then yeah. <laughs> before we um, maybe get on to our master's preview, and I've got some little specials for you guys and for the listeners, if you hang on, things about Augusta that you might not know. Oh. Uh, a little bit like our Harding preview for the uh, US Open a few months ago.
0: Yeah, and those for those of you who don't know what Eddie's talking about, I say go back to our episode labeled the Harding situation, and you can hear some very, very interesting facts about the co- the Harding golf course that they played on, which was named after President Harding.
2: Although that wasn't that wasn't the U.S. Open, was it? Actually, it was the player. Anyway, the was it the U.S. Open? I think no, it was the it
1: was, the U.S. Open was Winged Foot, wasn't it? Yeah, so, exactly. It was the, it was the players. Players. Championship. players, yeah, it was the
2: players. But um, before we get to that, I guess let's get into our NFL picks. And before we get into our NFL picks, I'll do the usual summary of where we stand. So you far can gloss year. over me, though. Uh, I cannot. This is a train wreck that I, I have to stare at for a little bit. Um, let's just say, Sam, and Sam, your early season lead has well and truly evaporated. Into thin air. It has been so a descent into pretty, hell. <laughs> yes. So last week was pretty good for both, uh, well, for me and for Frank. So I went twelve and two straight up, and eight and six against the spread, uh, which. And then Frank, you went seven and seven. Oh no, sorry, that's Sam. Sorry to to try and insult you with that one. Uh, (laughs) You went eleven and three straight up, and six and eight against the spread. And then this whole disaster unfurled for Sam, where he went seven and seven straight up, and an impressive. Three and eleven against the spread. <laughs> Taking our our overall season standing. So I am 94 38 and one straight up. Uh Frank, you are 84 48 and 1 straight up. And Sam, you are 81 51 and 1 straight up. Shit against the spread you're, you're starting I to pull away. Yeah, straight up might be over in the competition. Yeah. The spread remains relatively close. I'm 66, 65, and two. Uh, Frank, you are 63, 68, and two. And Sam is 60, 71, and two. So that's (laughs) still anybody's game, but Sam's. No, it's
0: not. That's a two man race.
1: (laughs) I'm going to make you eat those words of week 10.
2: (laughs) You know what?
0: You deserve that, Sam, after you ripped apart my uh, each way horse bet last week (laughs) and how pathetic it was. But it was a a seven and seven straight up.
1: I wouldn't even say it was pathetic. It was impressive. It was more impressive that you managed to get nothing close. (laughs) Some of mine were at least on the edge.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the depressing thing for you, though, too, Sam, is you've got Thursday night football, right? so you then went 2 and 11 after Thursday night football it was it was not a pretty sight
1: the only semi the only one that was anything redeeming against you guys was that i took the jags to take it close against the texans
2: yeah you can hang your head on that well
1: done <laughs> no it's it's obviously a great one to take and i'll i'll really take that confidence going into the next game uh, round of games all right i guess
2: yeah so let's get
1: let's it.
0: Yeah, let's get through these, and then that way we can get to uh, some of Eddie's Augusta facts, and then I also have some some Masters-related uh, topics I think will be pretty fun. Wow. Okay, okay. Um,
1: all right, let's get cracking. Uh, Colts at the Titans, and this one seems to have flipped a bit, but I I took it an hour ago at the Titans a plus one, um, but I had seen it the other way at some point. Which was rare. Uh, You know, some bookies had done uh, the Titans minus one. Some had done the um, Colts minus one. So, who we took on Bet three six five had Titans plus one. So, um, who wants to go first, Eddie? Want to start us off?
2: Yeah. I mean, this is a tough one for me in the sense that I don't think I've been. Even though I thought the I felt like the Titans have been good all year, I think I've mostly got their games wrong, Um, and in this one. I like them. I'm a little bit fearful of the fact that the Colts are a good all-round team, but I just do not trust Philip Rivers in any way. And so, even though he might end up, this Titans defense is not great, and this could be a situation where I regret this when Philip Rivers throws for 400 yards against them. But I'm going to take the Titans. I
1: I agree. I, I backed the Colts against the Ravens. I think I, I was going for a uh, run defense against, um you know, kind of our, the best run offense, but the Titans have Derek Henry. I I just think the thing with this one is that even though the Colts actually played a really good game against the Ravens, I think they restricted them to maybe about 140 rushing yards or something like that, which is low for the Ravens, basically. They played them really well. Um the Titans just come across a bit more of an all round opponent against the Colts. So they're gonna to have to stop the run, but also the pass. And I just think I looked at the divisional history actually, and the Colts seem to have like a real one up against the Titans at the moment in that um in the matchups. But I think I'm gonna go for the Titans as well. Um I just I just think offensively Rivers will let the Colts down.
0: And so I'm gonna go with the Titans. Yeah, I'm with both of you guys. I'm going to go Titans. They've covered the spread in four consecutive home games. So we're starting to get into that time of the year where you can start to compile some of these statistics. You know, it's not just one game or two games. Um, So it seems like they do play pretty well at home. Uh, The other thing for me is, I mean, now that we're looking at the Colts, they've only beaten one team so far with a winning record, and that's the Bears. So yeah they're playing close games and they're kind of in games even though they end up losing to the Ravens by what was that 14 it was still a relatively close game for most of it you know so they're staying close but they seem to only be beating the teams that aren't that great and I, th- I think the Titans listen they've you know they they lost two out of their last three but they're still a decent team they're still going to make the playoffs they're still tough so I'm going to stick with the Titans here a big game divisionally isn't it what the what is it five
1: and three against six and two? So if the Titans yeah. win, they pretty much Yeah. Finally a good Thursday night game. Yeah. Should be a good one, actually. So uh next up, uh Frank's Texans against the Browns. And the Browns are three point favorites. So Frank, you wanna you wanna back the Texans? Book them. Really? This can't be a thing. <laughs> are you doing are you doing what Eddie did last week where he's just like I'm backing the dolphins to piss you off. So are you just doing a, like I'm backing the Texans to piss
0: Eddie off? It did work. (laughs) Partially. um, But my worry is Houston has a terrible run defense and we know the Browns, you know, we know they're going to run the ball. Uh, They like to ground and pound a little bit, especially when you can't trust Baker Mayfield, but you know, if I'm going to stick to my guns and think that the Texans are a decent team and also think that the Browns aren't as great as their record shows, then this is obviously the game that I have to i have to do that. I have to take the Texans with the points and pick them. So, you know, this is going to show me one way or the other, you know, and then Eddie can come on next week and tell me that I have to take back one of my claims. So or both of them.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'd like that you say this is the game. That's going to show me one way or the other. We're in week 9. They have shown you one way very very clearly for several weeks now.
0: No, no, I I real- mean I mean what 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 I mean is that saying the Texans are a decent team and that the Browns are slightly overrated for their record. Okay. It's going to show me. Well, days. here's the
2: thing is. Even if the Browns win, this doesn't make them properly rated because they're playing against a really terrible team here. It is worth noting, however, that Baker Mayfield is on the COVID list at the moment. So he is questionable for Sunday, but I think falls into that big Ben category where they are still expecting him to play. But he did come into contact with someone who tested positive. So it isn't guaranteed that Baker Mayfield will be playing. I don't know if that significantly changes anyone's picks. Isn't um is I mean, Chubb
1: meant to be deemed fit to play though? Like I know I know the Browns have like loads of weapons, but if Chubb's coming back as well, you almost think it's just another good weapon. So even if Mayfield isn't playing, the run game is still going to be great against what I mean. The Texans are one of the, one of the worst run defenses in the league. Yeah, so
0: I said twenty eighth.
2: Yeah, no, I mean it's a, on paper, it's a great matchup for the Browns. And so it's for that reason that I am definitely going to take the Browns because just for those reasons, even if Chubb isn't back, they still have you know uh, uh, two very good options in the backfield. Um if they have Chubb back and they have all three options there, then there I don't see how the Texans stop them. But even with so, the two, I think they're fine. So
0: so Mayfield's off the COVID list. Okay. As oh. as of right now.
2: I mean
1: it makes it even more certain then because also you look at the Texans secondary and it's equally as awful. Um, so they've got Mayfield throwing, they've got a great running game. Um, lots of go-to options for me. The, the the spread's really good for the three. So yeah, I'm taking the Browns. I really like
0: this matchup actually. So. Sean Watson all day over Baker Mayfield.
1: Uh, right. Next up is the uh, biggest spread of the week. So it's the uh, Jags at the Packers and the Packers are 13 and a half point favorites. Um, anyone, anyone going with the Jags on the spread here? Are we all assuming a Packers win? What What are we thinking?
2: It's a little bit tough because it gets into that range of just a really big spread. Right. And we've discussed this over the course of the season, then become a little bit hesitant whenever a spread gets this big, just because, either an early touchdown for the jags or a late touchdown for the jags suddenly means that you need the packers to be winning by 21 points and that's a lot even if they're dominating the game that being said i do feel like aaron Rodgers is kind of in that mood where he's going to try and continue to prove a point We discussed his MVP credentials in the last episode, and I think this is a good opportunity for him to kind of run up the score a little bit and have a really good performance just to pad those stats. Also worth noting, the Jags' average losing margin this season is 8.5, and they have lost on the spread by an average of 3.9. So they've not actually been that close when Vegas has set set the spread. They actually haven't usually been that close to the number which is a little bit unusual um so i'm going to take the packers obviously to win i think that's the safest money line pick of the week and the odds are good uh and i'm going to take the packers to cover the spread but over the course of this season usually when i've backed a team to cover a big spread they've messed up and when i've taken the team with the points they've been blown out so who knows
1: yeah i mean look at look at last week right uh, the Chiefs didn't cover the big spread. Um, I guess Patriots, seven and a half was fairly big, but Steelers didn't cover it. Patriots didn't cover it. It's It, it kind of made me think twice about seeing a 13 and a half. But um, I, again, the Jags get absolutely destroyed through the air. And as you say, Eddie, I think this is one of those games where Rodgers will absolutely lap up that situation. So I think... I think I'm going to take the Packers, and I think I'll take them to cover as well. Yeah, I just think the Jags won't be able to stop Rogers.
0: Yeah, so I, I think this is what how Eddie said it, but it was kind of confusing. So the Jags have four games already this year where they've lost by 14 points or more, and those were against teams probably not as good as the Packers. So I will stick with the Packers here. Um, this, was, this is actually pretty funny. This was also my survivor pick. But I had to, so I don't have the contact of how to get the the pick in. So I relay it to my father who then puts in the pick for me. But there, he is currently in Key West, Florida right now. And someone hit the main line, telephone, internet, whatever line of Key West and knocked out all of the internet, all of the cable, all of like the phone service knocked out everything uh, so the entire island nothing they went through like the hurricane or a tropical storm went through nothing happened then some asshole hits the telephone line and knocked out the whole island so my mother also had a work call But she couldn't get onto the call because there was not internet, but then she couldn't contact anyone to tell them she couldn't get onto the call. So they hopped into a car and just drove and they had to drive 85 miles until they got service. (laughs) So he called me up like, your pick better fucking win this week because we had to drive 80 miles to put it in. And then as soon as they drove back into Key West, the service was restored. (laughs)
1: I think that's what they call
0: sods law, right? Uh, yeah. But it's funny because I, I said to my mother, I said, like, why don't you just use a landline? And she's like, well, the house we rent doesn't have a landline and there aren't any payphones anymore. So it's not that easy. But even it was crazy because you couldn't even like if you want to get gas, you couldn't get gas because you can't use your card because there's no absolutely no service. So people couldn't do anything except if you had cash. It's pretty funny. Nice. It's almost as if it's almost as crazy as an idiot living without internet for over a month and a half. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll give you a mild update on that. Uh, this evening, my delivery from Free did arrive, so I have a host of new boxes and toys and everything, but none of them work.
0: <laughs> tried, or or someone has to come and do it for you.
2: I tried, and someone there's a problem with the line, so a technician has to come back to fix this.
1: I mean, I I think it's deliberate now. I think it's almost oh. like Orange passed on that this guy is an absolute sucker for small
0: faults and just keep it going. I I like to think that all of the internet companies kind of discuss with each other, and when Eddie left Orange, Orange then sent a message out being like, "Hey, whoever picks up." Edward Hewitt's contract. Here's his dossier. So just get ready to fuck him as hard as you can.
2: (laughs) The thing is, right, that technically Orange did warn me that this kind of situation could arise if there were multiple demands on the line at the same time. The thing is, this might turn out to be the only time that the information they gave me was accurate. That's going to be the real killer. Everything else was completely wrong. But this time around they may have been correct.
1: It's actually it's actually impressive listening to this. Like I it you've clearly survived and that's all well good, but I would struggle to understand how like working from home, watching as much sports as you do how how it actually works. And also just a lack of Xbox and things like that. Uh, just no. I, I can't actually understand how you're coping. Are you coping?
2: I mean, sort of. Unfortunately, I've like built a like a system, right, where almost everything in my house relies on the internet. Like my lights, all my radios, like my TV. Everything Wait, runs all of down.
1: your radios? How many radios do you have? Two. Do you mean radiators or do you mean radios? As in, like, like
2: radio this- that you get the radio through? You know, like thing. It's kind of like podcast, but it's streamed <laughs> live. <laughs>
0: Why do Never you have heard you
2: do? Because I have more than one room.
1: I don't know. It just feels odd that anyone would have a radio in
0: their house. Do you mean like radio I'm... or do you mean speaker?
2: Well, I mean it's a speaker, but it primarily exists for me to play the radio through. That's I, I listen to the radio.
1: I don't and... know why it surprises me. I just only I only associate people listening to an a radio in a car. Because you would just listen to it through like the internet, through your laptop or something.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, you know what I don't have there, Sam? The internet. So (laughs) the laptop is not useful. But no, I listen to the radio. I I listen to like Test, I listen to Test test Match special. I listen to uh, some Radio 4 programs from time to time. I'll pick up the news. uh, And when I work, I'll listen to the radio as I go.
1: I just got this idea of Eddie like listening to like the wartime broadcast. Yeah, like a fireside (laughs) chat. Yeah, like like, gathered around. With a cognac. (laughs) Gathered around listening to the wireless. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Grim news from London today. It's the (laughs) (laughs) Luftwaffe. All right. Speaking of grim news, um, we've got the Giants at the Eagles. Oh. Uh, Sorry, the Eagles at the Giants. What and a game, the, uh, yeah, exactly. And the um, first
0: place Eagles, implications on the line.
1: The Eagles, it's that's the weird thing about this one, right? It's, it's actually a big game for the NFC East. Um, it actually kind of matters. But what was it like three weeks ago? They played and the Eagles won by a point. Um, for me, though, what's interesting is like the Eagles actually stopped the pass pretty well. Um, I think they've got like the fifth or sixth best pass defense in the league. And coupled with someone like Daniel Jones, who has such a massive um propensity to mess things up and like gif something. I think the last time they played he gave the ball away twice. So for me for me I'm gonna go the Eagles with this one. I think the Eagles will win and I'll take them to cover that spread.
0: For me. Yeah, so I mean you're gonna get turnovers from Daniel Jones last week was one of the first games he didn't have any turnovers and he still fumbled twice. They just didn't have, the defense just didn't happen to get it. So even when he's not turning it over, he's almost turning it over. Um, and you're playing a, a slightly, I think a team that kind of sees the light at the end of the tunnel here for the NFC East. Now that the Cowboys are out um, Washington, isn't that great. Um, you, you know, I think they realize that they can win this. So I think they're going to really push and and I don't know. I mean, they're not good, but the giants aren't very good either. And they have Alshon Jeffrey coming back. Uh, Miles Sanders returned to practice. Who knows how much he's going to play, but you know, so you have two key pieces back. I'll take the Eagles to win. The giants keep it close, but is it three or three and a half? Three straight three. I'll take the Eagles then.
2: Wow. Wow didn't realize it's it's the margins are that fine for you when it comes to picking picking or picking this. I guess one. it matters
1: though, doesn't it? Like field goal push or no it yeah. does,
2: but um
0: three and a half, yeah. I take the giants.
2: This this is a very unwatchable, watchable game. Okay like I, I know I usually have that list of games I'm gonna watch less than a minute of. And i do like to be able to put this game on that list, but then because of the playoff implications, I I can't. So, I mean, this is probably going to come down to which quarterback turns the ball over less because you've got one in Carson Wentz who has 12 interceptions this season. and you have the other in Daniel Jones who has nine interceptions this season and four lost fumbles. That being said, when you look at the Eagles' offensive potential versus what the Giants are, you know, you're looking at the Giants average 18.7 points a game, the Eagles average 23.3 points a game. To me, that's significant enough to think that the Eagles should just have too much firepower. And especially with some players returning from injury, I think this is a game that they win, I'm not going to say comfortably, but certainly by more than, th- more than three points. I'm going to put this in like the 7 to 10 point range if I was going to make a prediction. But so I'm going to take the Eagles and Eagles to cover.
0: Yeah, I mean, Eddie does bring up a good point. Carson Wentz actually has more turnovers this year than Daniel Jones, which is crazy to think about that anyone could have more turnovers than Daniel Jones. I mean, the guy can't even fucking hold on to the ball for 10 minutes. I mean, Wentz's best, a better game out of
1: all of them was the Giants game a few weeks ago though, because he threw for like 350 and a couple of touchdowns as well. So yep. it, it was like out of, out of that kind of turd of a season. It was one of the more polished parts of it. Wow, what a description.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing is, right, last Sunday night we had the breaking news game as to who would have the most career touchdowns, and now we're going to have the breaking news game as to who's leading the league in turnovers. So the NFL just keeps delivering key quarterback matchups on a weekly basis
1: been a milestone year <laughs> for good and for worse all right, next all right. Game. yeah next up is uh the bucks at the panthers and the um the panthers are uh sorry the bucks are six point favorites um i mean brady was basically dead last week i mean surely i mean brady turns up the following rewrite. this is going to be brady coming back And absolutely showing people why he's not dead. I mean, the thing with the Panthers, though, is they played a solid game, right, against um, the Chiefs. And it was kind of a start to finish solid game. I mean, Bridgewater threw pretty well, the defense kind of held up pretty well. But the thing for the Panthers in this game is it's weirdly become a must win because I think they're like three and six. So if there's any realistic hope of that playoff berth, it's got to be a win. Otherwise, they're dead in the water. So for me, I think the Bucks look pretty good away from home um, as well. And also just the fact that you're taking Brady to bounce back after what probably was the worst performance of his career from a guy that usually bounced back anyway. I, I really like the Bucs in this one. And the six is a good spread because it just takes in that touchdown
0: score. So I'm going to take the Bucs. So I'll go slightly against you here. You could argue that the Bucs game last week was a fluke and it was just a bad game, but then back it up one more week and they almost lost to the giants. So this is now two weeks in a row that they haven't played very well versus a Panthers team who, yeah, they've lost four straight, but they're keeping it close when they're losing every game, you know, that four straight. And I think that's, what's going to happen here. I think the Bucs win this, but I think it'll be a little closer then the six points, I think it'll come down to maybe the last drive. So I'll take the Panthers plus six, but I'll take the Bucks to at least come back and get back on track with a win. But I don't think it's going to be that impressive of a win.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is a tough one because if the Bucks play anything like they played a week ago, then they stand no chance. Um, that being said, Christian McCaffrey is out again for the Panthers. Now, whether or not that matters, they played really well in his absence already, but makes me a little bit more comfortable when it comes to the bucks cuz he has a major weapon. The thing is guys, I actually have this is the first game of the season where I have an insider scoop, like a little bit of a tip cuz I've got some sources in Tampa Bay that have been trying to get to know the players, I've been working on it all year and finally one of them has given me some good information and he told me that throughout the week Tom Brady has had his favorite jello every day in his retirement home. And so he's feeling a lot stronger than he was a week ago. So on the, on the back of that, I am going to take <laughs> the bucks to win and to cover the spread.
0: We did ask this. was Is this a day game, Sam? Because you got to figure Tom Brady out. His retirement home is up at it's, what? 3.30 a.m.
2: It's 1 p.m. Eastern.
0: Per, see, that's right in his wheelhouse. That now is his now night game. That's his Sunday night game. His 1 p.m., that's his primetime night game i'm trying to think who one of Ed- eddie's like
1: insiders is is it like an orderly or something like that like one of the nurses like i'm not sure like one of his tips it's, i'm not uh, sure who the insider is it's it's the guy it's who Antonio who brown. his colostomy bag
2: <laughs> it's antonio brown
1: so with the insider news what are you going for the bucks brady brady all jelloed up feeling good oh, no, the feeling bucks. fine
2: yeah the bucks and the bucks cover the spread i don't love it but but yeah should also know we we've got a bit of speaking about talked about the breaking news once again for listeners i know when live sporting updates get told to you 24 hours later it's amazing but we do have some breaking news which is scotland have just beaten serbia in a penalty shootout and have qualified for euro 2020 the first, first time, time that scotland has qualified for a major tournament since 1998.
1: And the first time for the Euro since that famous England '96. Yeah. Where arguably the best football song ever created was made born for?
2: I actually Ooh. think that Scotland's song for the World Cup in '98 rivals it in terms of quality of song, but not in terms of something you're going to sing in a singing of at an actual football match but I do think Delamitri's Don't Come Home Too Soon is the perfect song for the Scotland football team. Now, unfortunately, they didn't listen to it and they came home after the group stages and then haven't left (laughs) for 22 years.
1: (laughs) All right. Next up is the Washington football team at the Lions. And the Lions are four and a half point favorites. Um, Eddie, your pick.
2: I mean, this is a tough one for me because I've spent the season talking about how bad the Lions are. And even though they're playing against a bad team here, I know that if I pick the Lions, Frank is gonna call me a hypocrite and tell me that I would suddenly look at me getting onto the Lions bandwagon in week nine and make fun of me. So I'm a bit torn here. But it is difficult to imagine this very beaten-up Washington team suddenly turning things around. They've been fundamentally really bad all year. You do have to give Alex Smith a little bit of credit in that when he came into the game, we didn't really talk about the hor- another horrific quarterbacking injury happening in Washington. I mean, they may now have to accept the fact that this team – like their stadium is on an Indian burial ground or something because it's just How ironic. I, mean, <laughs> I, I shouldn't,
1: I uh, why don't they name their team after
2: that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, it is the number of horrific injuries. I mean, you're at three just catastrophic injuries happening to their quarter. That one was
0: gross too. Was that last yeah. week, right?
2: Yeah, that was, yeah, against the Giants. Yeah, yeah, that was not a good one either. And you got to give Alex Smith credit in a sense because he came in and nearly brought them back into the game. I mean, he had the potential for the game winning drive when he threw the interception at the end. And we spoke about in the build up to the season. Yes, in a way that we didn't really want to see him play, but kind of admired the fact that he was brave enough to get back out there. You're even braver to get back out there after you've seen the guy in front of you have his ankle snapped. (laughs) And to be able to put that out of your mind after what you went through and get out and play is pretty incredible.
1: It's got to be like some element of PTSD there, isn't it? Like just watching some guy's leg get destroyed is going to bring back some pretty haunting memories. It is pretty incredible to see it.
2: Or maybe you're like the guy in a lightning storm. Who's, who thinks I've already been struck once, like, no way I get struck twice. And so he's like, well, one one quarterback has already broken there, had a horrific injury this game, so I'm safe for, <laughs> for the next 30 minutes at least.
1: He's a gambling man. I like it. <laughs> like I'm invincible. Um, yeah. The thing is, though, like, Washington still um, defend the pass really well. And I don't think the Lions... I don't think the Lions are that good. And there's always those games where you think, okay, well, I'm going with the favorites. I'm going with the spread quite a lot. And there's got to be some games where you think it's just not going to happen. And I don't rate the Lions at all. I think they're pretty bad when they're stopping red zone. Um, So I think Alex Smith has the capacity here to put up some numbers. And I think Washington already have proven to have the ability to stop the Lions so they stop better teams to lower point scores so i think they'll be able to stop the lions and score so for me i'm going to go washington and to um obviously cover
0: so eddie's rule is after after a loss you take a really good team to bounce back i'm gonna amend that rule and say also with a less great team after two straight losses you take them to bounce back and that's why I'm going to be taking the Lions over Washington. Uh, I don't – Washington is not good. They lost to the Giants twice now. Um, Alex, I love that Alex Smith is playing. I think that's awesome. It, it's it's crazy that he's back out there. But he didn't look that great. He threw three picks in, in what – one half, a little over a half. So it's not that great. Uh, If he turns the ball over five, six times in a full game, it's going to be an issue. Uh, I'll take the Lions and I'll take the Lions to cover as well. Uh, This brought me back. I was talking to, again, to one of our our avid listeners the other day. And we were talking about, I forget what game we're talking about. um, And I had said, yeah the only other team they beat was the redskins and they beat the redskins and i said redskins like three times (laughs) and he's like they're not the fucking redskins for the thousandth time how many people have to tell you this (laughs) so it's just like it's never gonna happen i'm never gonna be able to transition it out of my head and i think maybe that's a key sign of cte is that i can't remember more recent things and all i can remember is the washington redskins of 2002 or something like that
2: <laughs> yeah i mean it's either a sign of cte or just chronic racism it's difficult <laughs> it's difficult to distinguish <laughs> at times because even now when you're not slipping up and accidentally saying the team name you're going out of your way to tell stories where you say the name
0: so oh, i'm trying it's... to be accurate to so was supposed to say that that the r word <laughs> yes okay
2: yeah, Washington. Yeah, prefer, I think they prefer the term <laughs> "spastics" now. But, Washington R words. <laughs> but the I didn't actually just to say to conclude. I do agree fundamentally with Frank on this one in that um, I mean I think the Lions are relatively competent and the in Washington are just one of the worst five teams in the league. So I'll take the Lions to win and the Lions to cover the spread.
1: So that's where you guys hypocrite. get one up on me. That's where you guys get one up on me. All right. Uh, good matchup next. It's the Bills at the Cardinals. And the Cardinals are two and a half point favorites. Uh, what do you guys think, Frank? Oh, what, Frank, what do you think?
0: I have to say, I don't think I'm getting myself a free Dunkin' Donuts coffee this week. The Bills seem to have bounced back. They looked better than ever last week. Josh Allen had a phenomenal game. They're going to come into a Cardinals team that lets opposing QBs have great games. Um, You know, they, they did it with a below average rookie QB last week. So now that you have a potential pro bowler coming in, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Again, it'll be another fun game to watch. The Cardinals are always a fun team to watch because they score a lot with Kyler Murray, but then they just give it right back up. I think that's, what's going to happen here again. And I'll take the bills and I'll take the bills with the points.
2: Yeah. Um, there's two reasons here why I really like the Bills. One is that the Cardinals secondary and just their defense overall is not very good. So you have to feel like this is a great opportunity for the Bills to score a significant number of points, which against the Cardinals, you have to, because you know you're not going to completely stop them. The other reason is coming off the back of having just played the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, this feel, that feels like a nice prep for then coming up against kyler murray so they've played two i mean obviously murray runs with the ball a lot more than wilson does but it's still two mobile quarterbacks oh, who's the uh, racist who... now
0: eddie <laughs> why don't you tell us the real reason that they're similar eddie
2: <laughs> racist okay wow i don't know if that makes you look any better um but yes yeah, so no i'm gonna i'm gonna take the bills um one thing i will say is every time the Cardinals have had a really bad game and kind of looked as if their season was about to fall apart, they bounce back. And so that would be why I'd be a little bit cautious when it comes to this one. But it looks like this is just a really nice matchup for the Bills.
1: Yeah. I mean, Murray actually had a good game uh, against the Bills. He threw for like 280 and like three touchdowns. He he actually played well. It was the, it was the um, defense.
2: Against the, the Dolphins, you mean?
1: Yeah, it was – yeah, sorry. It was the – it was the defense that let them down in that game. But the good – the interesting thing for the Bills was that not only did they score really well with Allen offensively, but they they stopped Wilson really well, Uh, like sacked him. I think they forced – uh, like a couple of fumbles as well, so it, it was just great to see both sides like putting in a near complete performance, and I think it just showed how good and dangerous the Bills can be. And considering they're underdogs in this, I'm I'm taking I'm taking the Bills as well. So, why well, so the over I, under? I th- the,
0: go ahead, Eddie.
2: Well, I actually think that's been one of the interesting storylines of this season. Is that for the past few past few years, the Bills have had a really good defense, and I think people still in their minds approach games that way but they've actually been very bad so far this year. And maybe the question will be was last week, the sort of aberration or is, is that an indication that they're kind of returning to form? And this will be a good test of that. Cause it's obviously, even if the Cardinals aren't amazing, they do tend to score a lot of points. So this will be a good test.
0: Yeah. So the over under is 56 and a half, which is pretty high, but What do you guys think on that?
2: I'd go over just because it's rare in a Cardinals game to not see both teams score at least 30 points. But it is a high, high over under.
0: So that would have covered only. So they've only gone over 56, the Cardinals, two out of their last five. So, yeah, I think it's close. And the Bills have gone over that three out of their last five. And also to note, Kyler Murray is on pace to be the first quarterback ever to go 4,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards. That would be pretty amazing. He's their leading rusher, just like the Giants and Daniel Jones. (laughs) All right. Uh,
1: Next up is the Broncos at the Raiders, and the Raiders are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I I really like the Raiders in this one. I know I backed the Broncos against the Falcons, and to be fair, they actually did put up some sort of like half decent offensive play. They actually started to like convert some of the red zone opportunities they got and score. But when you look at the Raiders team, I mean, A they're um, undefeated divisionally as well. It's pretty good. Um, They look pretty good running wise. And I don't know. I just think the Broncos won't put up many points and the Raiders have proven themselves to be a pretty competent team. So for me, this is quite a, I think it's quite an easy one. So I'm going for Raiders and cover.
2: Um, yeah, I feel like the Raiders don't get, every once in a while we talk about teams that don't get the level of respect that they deserve. I think the Raiders fall into that category. Um, and so this this one kind of surprises me. I don't really like the Broncos at all. Uh, so I'll keep this one pretty swift, but I'll say I'm taking the Raiders and I'm taking them to cover.
0: Yeah, I'll keep it easy. Uh The Raiders have beaten both the Chargers and the Browns by more than five. And I think both of those teams are better than the Broncos. So I think the Raiders will win. I think they'll cover. But you're right. We don't give them any credit. And just like, for instance, right now, we both just breeze through this game. But maybe if they keep winning, then we'll spend some more time on them, even though they're five and three.
2: (laughs) Part of me, for a second, I had to remind myself that they didn't play the Broncos last week. The Broncos and the Chargers, in my mind, have almost become interchangeable.
0: Well, one's got a good QB and one's got a terrible QB, except for the fourth quarter when he has to come, come on Herbert's back by 30 that. points.
2: Herbert's not that bad.
1: <laughs> speaking of speaking of the charges, uh, they are away at the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are two point favorites. Um,
2: what do you think? This is a tough one for Frank. This is his boy wonder versus his nemesis. Like, this is going to be a hard one, a very tough pill for him to swallow if Tua walks away from this one with a victory. Um, That being said, I think that the Chargers are the better team, and I'm going to take the Chargers, but... No, you know what, actually? It served me well last week. I'm just going to go with the anti-Frank pick on this one, and I'm just going to say that... This is the one game Frank probably doesn't want to be wrong on. And so I'm going to take the Dolphins and the Dolphins to cover the spread.
0: What a disrespect to the Dolphins you have by saying the Chargers at two and six are better, a better team than the five and three Dolphins. What a slap in the face to the Dolphins that is. But you're completely right. The Chargers are the better team. Herbert's the much better quarterback. This, this game means a lot to me because Herbert is my boy and I've been petitioning for Herbert to have been drafted by the giants since this first game he started at Oregon. When I watched him, I've always been a fan. I have never been a fan of Tua. Although I I will admit I've always said he's a good quarterback. I just don't generally like his style and the way he plays, but he does win a lot and he puts up huge numbers, but I, I still have to go with Herbert in this one. Um, and that is a slight disrespect to the Dolphins' defense because their defense has been playing phenomenal lately. Um, They're scoring. I, I mean, their defense, I think, what, three weeks in a row now, they've put up a touchdown. So their defense is, is tough, and it's going to be tough for the Chargers to put up points. But uh, I have to, yeah, I have to go with my gut. These are two big games for me from an emotional standpoint in the Chargers and the Texans. This could be a very sobering Monday podcast when we get back on.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. If people listening won't know this, but I've I've heard the Tua versus Herbert discussion an, an endless number of times over the past few years. Um, I mean, Frank legitimately was the person to make me aware of Herbert. So, I, and listeners won't be able to see this, but all in the background, he just has posters of him. Some of them take it like pictures taken from angles. I mean, these are not official f- posters, clearly taken secretly from bushes and other places. Some of them. <laughs> Peeping holes. Yeah. Some of them <laughs> when Herbert was maybe only 13 or 14. So it's very questionable. Been
0: scouting him since before he even was on Oregon.
2: Uh, is that what you call it?
0: Some 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 uh, detectives call it grooming. I just call it scouting.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm
1: sure that holds up in court as well. I'm I'm torn with this one. I I usually, I usually like back in the charges, and they've let me down um, quite a lot. But the thing with the charges is, if they lose, it's always close. So th- there's no spread to really work with here. I really like I really like Herbert, but. I'm, I'm really not sure. I'm completely, I actually have no idea where to go with this. I don't really think I have backed the dolphins that much this year. So yeah, I'm going to go dolphins. There's not, I'm honestly not giving much. I think this is a complete toss up. I can see both of them quite easily winning this game. But what was interesting about this game though, is that the way you've seen the Chargers, like Herbert and Tua put up points, um, I I thought that the over would be quite high for this one. It's about 48 or 50, I think, at the moment. But what was interesting is the last 10 meetings between the Chargers and Dolphins, nine of them have gone under. And I just thought that was quite interesting because obviously they don't play each other all the time. I just thought that was quite an interesting thing to see. So maybe the under's a pretty good bet if history's there to go by, even though offensively speaking, you'll probably expect this kind of game to go over. But I just thought or it was you know the other little tidbit.
2: You're missing the real rule of this podcast, though. There. They're due. That's all you just told me.
1: They're due. Yeah, yeah maybe. But I, I like it. I think that's a – I'm not going to back it. It's not going to be in my bet of the week. But I just thought that was an interesting one. But, yeah, I'm going to go Dolphins. The Bengals are back, and they are playing the Steelers. And the Steelers are six-and-a-half-point favorites. And this line has been coming in. Uh, I saw it over a touchdown um, a couple of days ago as well. So the Bengals keep it close, don't they? But I don't know what you guys think. After that Cowboys game, has your opinion on this one changed? I, I'm sure the line has because of that Cowboys game. But for a team that's 9-0, there's a couple of question marks, I think. But um, what do you guys think?
2: Well, this line opened at 11.5. So it's changed pretty drastically as a result of the struggles against the Cowboys, then the possibility that Big Ben will be out uh, because he's on the COVID protocol, and then also the fact that seemingly he has two injured knees. So there's kind of three question marks, well, two question marks and one bad performance here hanging over the Steelers. Uh, And obviously Big Ben isn't the only Steelers player who um, will possibly miss the game as a result of the COVID protocols. That being said... I mean, I've doubted the Bengals kind of all year long. They, you know, Burrow's sweet, sweet mouth bit me very hard two weeks ago against the Titans. And (laughs) yet, here I am. I'm going to come back right now and put my faith in Big Ben and just hope that he has continued his Sunday acting job right through the week now and is just trying to come out as the savior of the Steelers yet again. And will have overcome COVID. Will have had two like double knee replacement surgery, and over the course of the week, and he'll be back to his best. So, I would have really thought long and hard about this line had it stayed double, um, you know, double digits, just for the reason that you said that the Bengals do tend to keep games pretty close. But at less than a touchdown, I like the Steelers to win and cover the spread.
1: It's yeah, that six and a half annoys me because when I saw it at like seven and a half eight I really like not the Bengals to win but I really like Bengals to cover because the Bengals do keep things close but also when you look at the Steelers last three games they haven't won by more than four and so it just feels like that kind of game where it's going to be a Bengals loss but it'll be within a score um, I, I think the Steelers are a little bit vulnerable in a secondary as well and I think the Bengals are coming fresh off a buy. And as long as they can just keep that passing game going that the Bengals are pretty good for, um, I think, I, I think the Steelers will win, but I think it's going to be another three or four point win. I just think they're just going to do it. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Steelers to win, but I'm actually going to take the
0: six and a half on the Bengals to cover. I have, I hate to say it, but I have to go with Sam on this one. Um, yeah everyone everyone who listens knows and for those who don't, I can tell you right now I am not very high on the Steelers. They're a good team, but I don't think they make it very far in the playoffs um, I I can't trust them with without who knows what's gonna happen with Big Ben. Um, they have injuries now he isn't practicing with them and at the very least that's gonna throw off some timing. So, you know, maybe they get off to a slow start in the first half and have to crawl back into it like they did with the Cowboys. Um, I'll take the Bengals with the points. I'll take the Steelers to win and, and eke it out. Welcome aboard.
1: Did you see my record last week? Is pretty good. So you, you should have a lot of confidence yeah. <laughs> with that pick. Oh, it's a loss. <laughs> it's always good when we gift one to the guy in front, isn't it? So. Yeah, you got to give these presents. You got to give these presents here and there,
2: right? I mean, it's wor- it's worth saying they're one reason too to like the Steelers in this one. The Bengals haven't done a good job of protecting Barrow throughout the season, oh. and you feel like this is a game where the Steelers just could be getting to him time and time yeah. again.
0: You got T.J. Watts coming after him. Oh, and Eddie, by the way, T.J. Watts subway commercials not so good. <laughs> they are no baker mayfield progressive insurance all right
1: next up is uh the seahawks at the rams and they've given the
0: rams two-point favorites here so what do you think this is such a slap in the face to russell wilson and he is going to be so pissed off he is going to come out guns blazing russ is going to cook all day on this game i don't understand after losing a close high-scoring game to a very good playoff team that all of a sudden you can be out on the Seahawks. It makes no sense, especially considering that the Rams have not been very good their their last few games. It's not as if the Rams are on, on like a crazy streak and now they're facing the Seahawks team that you know lost a big game and maybe they're down and out you know, in the slumps, the Rams are three and three in their last six games. And golf has a 78 passer rating. That's not impressive. So I don't know. I don't get the spread. And I'll happily take the Seahawks with the points.
2: I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I don't think the Rams there are we great. Think...
0: Clawing back a... with this one.
2: <laughs> I think this is a kind of nice matchup for them. You're talking about the second best overall defense in the league, the second best passing defense in the league. So they just match up really nicely against the Seahawks. They're going to be able to shut down elements of this Seahawks offense. Not not it completely, but elements of it. And when you then factor in just the porous Seattle defense, I just think that Wilson will find himself in another situation where he's having to score every time he gets the ball and he won't be able to do it. So I'm going to take the Rams.
0: You're going to trust Jared Goff?
2: I'm actually trusting more. I'm trusting their defense more than I'm trusting Jared Goff, but I am trusting that he will be productive enough to put Wilson under pressure.
1: Just out of interest, do you think the fresh off the buy thing matters that much? Um, just curious think, on that one. Basically,
2: I think it matters when you see teams that historically like certain coaches who do extremely well, because I think what you see is that some coaches when they get given that extra week to prepare for their next opponent, just do a really great job. Like Bill Belichick coming off a of bye, does well. Um, I don't think it matters necessarily all that much from the rest perspective. And I think if you looked at the teams coming off a of bye, their record of, I don't know it, but off the top of my head, my kind of gut feeling is that it's mixed. I also feel like when a team wins, They'll attribute it like just came off a buy, super rested and well prepared. Prepared, and then they come off a buy and lose. It's like wow, well, they were a little rusty because they haven't played in ten days or fourteen days. So, I'm. Um, I think it depends.
1: I'm. This is like the Chargers game. I am. I'm completely torn up by it. You, I. You read one thing. You see one thing. You listen to something, and all the stats seem to make this a complete toss-up of which it is i mean i read this interesting stat that um the rams have won like i think it's seven of the last ten against the seahawks and i like that in divisional matchups i think those kind of things matter because you play each other a lot so they've got like a momentum with them but then i saw a stat with the seahawks that since 2015 um after a defeat they've gone 23 and 6 straight up again like following up and 18 8 and 3 against the spread so they do bounce back so for that reason i should like the seahawks previous reason i like the rams but also the thing is right russell wilson isn't going to do what he did last week it's not going to happen again but the thing is that defense is just so leaky it's so bad that russell wilson has to be better to stop Could you the say the defense is frail no no, absolutely not. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> just
2: if you just want some, just having quickly looked at the stats, since 2010, 17 teams have a winning record after their bye week. So it's nearly 50 50 there. It's not, and fundamentally, when you look since 2010, all the teams with winning records are teams that are have been good since 2010, Mm -hmm. and all the teams with losing records after their bye are teams that have been bad since 2010. So basically, they
1: just keep going. The bye doesn't seem to do anything.
2: Well, what it does seem to show is that if you are a good team, that you're probably in a good position to win after your bye week. Now, interestingly enough, which team do you think has the best percentage win record coming off a bye? Ravens. No, it is the Atlanta Falcons. Who are wow. ten and three since two thousand and ten after their bye week?
0: What are the Ravens? I always thought John Harbaugh had that thing where he was really good coming off a bye.
2: The Ravens are nine and four.
0: Oh, all right. Well, it's pretty close.
2: <laughs> New England is <laughs> New England is fifteen and five, so they're seventy five percent. They're just below. The Saints are just. There's a few team in the seventies. The Colts. The, interesting enough, the Lions, the the uh, Patriots, the Saints, and the Falcons are all above seventy percent. Uh, and then there are worst. the team that is by far and away the worst coming off a of bye week, the Jets. Jets. Who are,
0: yeah. Oh, come on. You have a second just <laughs> give me. I had that one.
2: <laughs> they are 2-8. and 2-8
1: and
2: eight coming off a of bye.
1: I don't know. I really don't know about this game. There's There's a part of me that just thinks like, right, so the Seahawks lost to the Bills, a really good Bills team, but we know that the Seahawks can be better. And then you had the Rams where before the bye they lost to the Dolphins and looked a little bit questionable in that, like pretty bad. I think I I think I'm gonna go Seahawks. I just think that following up um following up what it was a pretty bad loss, um they'll they'll do it this time. And I think Wilson will be will be good. But I, I yeah, it's a complete toss up. I know the betting suggests that as well, but it really is in my head as well, stat-wise, opinion-wise, but I'm going to go Seahawks. All right. Um, 49ers at the Saints, and the Saints are nine-point favorites. Eddie, you want to kick us off with Niners Nation?
2: I think the Niners Nation is hibernating until next year. So um, there's no way the Niners win this game. And as for the spread... I think it's a little bit unlucky that the Saints are coming off their best performance of the year. And so this spread is maybe two or three points higher than it would have been if this game had been played a week ago. So that one's, that's a little bit tricky for me because it feels like a slight overreaction. And are we going to get the same Saints that we saw last Sunday, or are we going to get the Saints that we saw up until Sunday? In which case, the idea of that previous Saints team covering a nine-point spread is just impossible um but i'm gonna think that now with michael thomas back even if he wasn't heavily involved on sunday it just opens up their game a little bit and even if breeze drops off slightly from how good he was on sunday that they will still win this game and cover this spread
0: yeah so the niners no jimmy g george kittle nick bosa richard sherman raheem mozart Western, Richburg, Solomon, Thomas, D. Ford, Quan Alexander, Quan Williams. I had no idea they had so many injuries. That's crazy.
2: <laughs> you didn't even name them all. You didn't even say George Kittle.
0: I said George Kittle. He was the second did one. Did, no. did you, yeah, mention, you just got lost? You just got lost in the sound. Yeah. <laughs> did There's you mention so names? Did you mention like Debo Samuel as well? So he might come back. He apparently he's been practicing. Or he won't. Come he's not. Back. He's not been practicing. <laughs> He'll never he come might, back. <laughs> he might be back. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea they were so injured. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, how can a team every, be competitive with so many injuries?
2: I mean, every team in the NFL has that many injuries, right?
0: You know are, you are right, Eddie. You are. You moral. are right. Yeah. So those, for those of you who don't know, Eddie likes to bitch and complain about his team about how they're the only ones who get injured. So, I mean, you got to argue. Jimmy G isn't even a starter. <laughs> that is not what I've been doing.
2: Teams. No, I have so not look, been got, complaining. I have not been complaining that they are the only team that suffer from injuries. I just think they, this particular season, they have been the hardest hit by injuries. And it is the reason why they have gone from Super Bowl contenders to a team that will not make the playoffs. It is the the... Super
0: Bowl pretenders. (laughs) Okay. Brilliant. (laughs) Good wordplay. Good wordplay. Real burn, Frank. I've never heard that. I invented that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Eddie, you got to look internal, then. You got to look at your fitness coaches and physios, right? (laughs) As a reason, well, I always keep getting injured.
0: The issue Eddie has is I mean, Jimmy G would at best be a backup for any other NFL team. So it's not a big loss. Their running game, they can fill in anyone. So Raheem Mozart is in a big one. Richard Sherman was washed up six years ago. Kittle, I mean, that guy's got spaghetti arms. He's He's the weakest tight end in the NFL. The thing that you Bosa, stick the, Bosa, to the
2: spaghetti arms it's the,
0: Bosa, the Bosa family is always injured, so gassed, you know, gassed, gassed, and injured. I mean, you 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 took a what was he the second pick overall after he was out the whole year in in college coming into the draft. So hey, that's their fault for taking an injury prone player. I mean, I this is you know who knows, but with all that said. I cannot see the Niners being competitive here. Um, I maybe, like that you
2: said that as if it was contradicting what you would set up. <laughs> I know. With all that being said, they do not stand a chance.
0: With all that being said, they do suck. So, <laughs> No, the only thing that still always worries me about the Niners is they do have great coaching. And I think no matter who they put out there, there's that chance that a very well coach team with you know a lot of enthusiasm could play well then the saints just look hot now you know maybe this is the saints are finally getting it together and breeze is able to throw more than five yards downfield so i'm going to stick with the saints and i'll stick with the saints to cover even though it is a pretty large spread for what normally would be crazy against you know the san francisco 49ers but yeah
1: yeah, I, I mean, the Saints are probably the best team in the NFC right now, and you've, you've already listed off the amount of injuries that the Niners have got. I think this is a pretty easy one for them to cover the spread as well. I, I remember they played out that 48-46 classic last year, so it kind of feels like we're a long way off that one again. But, yeah, for me, this, uh, this is a pretty easy one. I, th- I think um, we're seeing a pretty good Saints team at the moment, so, yeah, I'll take them and to cover quite easily. All right. Next up is the Ravens at the Patriots, and uh,
0: the Ravens are seven-point favorites. I'll, I'll make this easy. <laughs> the Patriots could barely win last week. They had to pull out miracles to beat the New York Jets. Uh, you know, the Ravens, yeah, they're much better. <laughs> I understand Bill Belichick. He's a great schemer of defenses, and he, oh, he's going to find a way to stop Lamar Jackson even if you find a way to stop Lamar Jackson, you still have to stop the other 10 players on the field and the Patriots cannot. So I'll take the Ravens and I'll take the points.
1: Was your hot take then that the Ravens are better than the jets. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I tell you what, uh, with that
0: knowledge, I might consider. (laughs) Interestingly, Flacco is now the quarterback for the jets. So.
1: I don't. really think I need to say much here. Yeah, I. I think this is a pretty easy one for the Ravens and the Patriots. I think all that game did against the Jets show. It showed that Cam Newton still can't really do anything apart from that kind of like winning drive to set up a field goal. It all just sounds pretty pitiful, even just saying that against the Jets. So, yeah, for me, this is pretty simple, and uh, Ravens will cover.
2: Yeah, I gotta gotta agree with you. This this line actually to me seems surprisingly low. I would have actually sort of expected this to be a double-digit line. It it surprises me that it's just well, it's a touchdown, a score. Um that to me is just sort of historical respect for the Patriots and for Belichick. Because I think if this if you replace the name Patriots with the Cardinals and they'd had exactly these performances this so far through the league or say the Bills, so it's the same division. I think the Ravens would be 10 point favorites easily. Um, so yeah, I feel fairly confident in taking the Ravens and the Ravens to cover.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is a, be- a Belichick effect on the spread here.
2: Yeah,
1: and uh, last up is the Vikings at the Bears and the Vikings are two and a half point
0: favorites. Yeah, it's a pretty good Monday night. So we have a good Thursday divisional matchup and a good Monday night divisional matchup. I mean, from a viewing perspective, you know, the bears aren't anything fun to watch. We had to suffer through one of their primetime games a few weeks ago, but you know, at least it's, it's a meaningful game. So I think that's pretty good. I will take the Vikings here. Um, For me, the Vikings, this, this could be their chance to start making a push, you know, they're, I think they, I think they believe they have a run in them and you have the bears who are slumping. Uh, I, I think, you know, you have two teams going opposite directions here. So I, I feel like this is a great chance for the Vikings to pick up another win, get closer to 500 and get back in this playoff race and to cover as well. So, I, I mean, the, 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 yeah, they'll cover the bears offense is terrible. They're 31st and 32nd in about every statistical category in offense. So.
2: Yeah, I think you've touched on the key point there, which is just the Bears just struggle to score points. So even if Kirk Cousins has a relatively bad game against a relatively decent, I mean, a good Bears defense, he probably only needs 19 points to win this game. I mean, if you tell me that the Vikings are going to get to 20, I feel pretty confident that they're winning. And if you tell me that he can get to 24, then I'm super confident he's going to cover that spread because I don't see how the Bears possibly score more than 21. So on that basis, I'm definitely taking the Vikings and I'm going to take them to cover the spread. So the IV stays in? IV stayed in. I've 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 actually put an additional one in.
0: So you have a double Kirk Cousins IV running through your veins right now? Yes. Wow. What does that mean for Kirk Cousins? <laughs> like,
1: has he just been really depleted of like all fluid?
2: <laughs> yeah, he's very frail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I think this is simple. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd take that just to just to end it here. Like I'd, I'd take the Vikings because ultimately, if they're going to make these back-to-back wins count and a playoff run count, this has to be a win. I agree with Eddie that even though the Bears have like a really good um, like defense, fundamentally, if the Vikings score anything more than about twenty, um, can you really see the Bears doing anything to get it close? No, the spread's below a field goal, so kind of even better in that respect. So I think the Vikings will win. Uh I think the two and a half is a really, I think it's pretty generous as well. I would have had this one more around the kind of um, a five or six mark, just below a touchdown. But
0: So two and a half, yeah, it's simple. Eddie, the real question is, who do you have putting in your IV? Because I hope it's not one of the NFL doctors. Otherwise, you're going to be like Trent Brown from the Raiders last week and have to be rushed to the hospital with the potential embolism.
2: <laughs> no, it's Jimmy G.
0: oh he's he's good at that
2: yeah he's got you know just warm kind eyes so you know i'm not a big fan of needles but he just comforts me through the experience
0: well jimmy g should be a little more selfish and maybe take some kirk cousins in for himself so he can become a decent qb i'll let him know all right there we go
1: that's the nfl done this week which ones which ones are you like i don't know if you've got these in your bet of the week but you can obviously set out a bit later. But what would you say is your most confident pick in there in terms of against the spread and the win? Well, I'm going to save that for my bet of the week. Oh,
2: okay. don't <laughs> want to tease anything out and make sure people hang on for the full episode.
0: Yep.
1: Okay. Keeping everything stum.
0: So I guess All the right. rest of the podcast will kind of just dedicate to the Masters, which is in a very unusual time this year. Much later than usual. Yeah, an autumnal Augusta.
1: Uh, They were doing interviews about it, and they were saying that the, because obviously one of the things about Augusta is how like luscious and green it looks in the spring. Um, But a lot of the golfers were saying that because the greens are like browning off, that they're trying to make it like run really fast. And um, that's going to affect people like But
2: Sam, just because Tiger Woods is defending his title does not make it correct (laughs) to use language like that.
1: No, browning off, I said, assuming they're getting rid of it.
2: <laughs> but now so I mean, we, we do have to say, ahead. right, because even if we do have some Masters tips, obviously we're recording this um, on Thursday. So the first round is well underway. Uh, Paul Casey has the clubhouse lead at the moment at seven under par, which is a pretty strong first round from a player who seems to do a good job of getting in contention and then never quite winning. Um, But a number of uh, sort of players you would have expected to be there or thereabouts had had strong first rounds in uh, Chauflay's five under, Justin Thomas is five under midway through his round, uh, Tiger Woods was four under on the day, so uh, it's a pretty good day for a number. Dustin Johnson three under halfway through his round So low scoring has to be said so far.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty good leaderboard right now. I mean, if I just at the end of the day, I hope that you have a good Sunday going in like the last major, you know, where it makes it exciting and anyone can kind of win going in. And obviously that kind of backfired on the last one when Deshambeau pulled away towards the end. But if you know, like just looking at this leaderboard right now, you have what, 20 people, I mean, besides Paul Casey at seven under, if you went down to the next at five under, you have 20 people between three under and five under after the first round. So it's really close. Uh, and, and it's a lot of good competitive golfers as well, which is nice. Like you have uh, Chaufflet, Justin Thomas, uh, you know, Woods, Matt Wolf, even um, John Ram. It's, it's yeah, it's it, it, this could be fun. I mean, obviously, it's already already
1: started, so we all know. But what were your picks before this started, just out of interest? Because we didn't get really get our chance to talk. But I guess for the listeners, you know, excluding some of the first round at the moment, who would you have gone for?
2: Mine were genuinely Justin Thomas, who's obviously off to a good start, and Rory McIlroy. I kind of felt like...
0: It's the same. Um, Wait, did you pick them last time too?
2: Yeah. I'm just going to pick them every time. <laughs> But to me, the logic, I mean, Justin Thomas has just been playing really well this year. And so he has been able to get himself in contention almost everywhere he's played. So in that respect, just seems like a solid pick. From Rory McIlroy's perspective, even though he's yet to win a Masters, he actually has been consistently you know, in the top 10 a lot of the time. And he felt pretty confident that the softer conditions would really suit his game. And even though he's been bad since the lockdown, He actually historically has played well around this time of year. The October-November time for Rory is traditionally a moment when he wins uh, a couple tournaments. So things kind of seem to be coming right for him from that perspective, uh, even if he isn't necessarily having the greatest first round of all time.
1: I actually agree that at this time of year, like my two picks were going to be Ram and um bubba watson and the reason for ram is because i think we have mentioned it like really early on in our podcast careers that um there's a lot of people at the moment that are winning majors there's not really anyone sweeping them all there's a lot of really good players and they each seem to be winning majors and ram is like the standout at the moment that hasn't and yet is still performing really well and i just feel like he post lockdown post covid going through is is all, always placing really well and he's always placing consistently, shooting consistently. So I think he's looking good. I think he's three under for his round. So he's in contention. Uh, the other one on a consistency is kind of the value bet for me was Bubba Watson. Again, over the past couple of tournaments like Zozo. He's, he's actually posted some pretty good uh, scores. He played a pretty consistent game and he's currently one over through 11. Did you see that there's going to be a change to the cut this year? So it's they're saying like 93 players, but what they're doing is rather than being 10 shots behind the leader is the cut, they're just doing top 50 and ties. So a lot of people are saying like with the shortened days, this could create like a real headache in terms of getting people teeing off. But because if you've got, theoretically, you could have all 93 tying in positions and they could all go through. It seems strange for me with the reduced hours as well, but yeah, I saw the change in the cut.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Unfortunately, um, in my preparation for the tournament, and obviously we had the really interesting look at uh, President Warren Harding, historically considered to be the worst president in history. Um, although Donald Trump might be giving him a run for his money um, in the preparation for the tournament earlier in the year, I. Turns out Augusta, not a lot of great presidential facts. Uh, That being said, why
0: does it have to be presidential facts? It doesn't. I
2: got other ones. I got other ones, but I thought I'd try and have a theme. Now there's only two interesting things. Only one president of the United States has ever been a member of Augusta. Can you guess who it was, or is? I won't rule out the fact that he is a living president or a former living president. What, what or Lincoln's- wait a living former president Sorry <laughs> <laughs> A zombie Abraham Lincoln occasionally His corpse roams Augusta
0: <laughs> um, Yeah I don't know Is he living? No he's dead This doesn't really help very much but No Is it Harding?
2: No historically considered to be a good president
0: Is it FDR? For the most part?
2: No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They spilled. They built some special ramps for him. Um, what was that I'll put fact you, out you of, just gave? I'll put you out of your misery. Uh, it was Eisenhower. Is the only president to have ever been a member. Uh, of the club. okay. And the only other presidential fact of interest is that Ronald Reagan was once held hostage whilst playing around at Augusta, when a an <laughs> armed local crashed through crashed his truck through the gate of Augusta and demanded to see the president while he was playing around this is when he was president but he was wait also- wait wait
0: wait he demanded to just watch the president play his round no or he, he demanded to, to see the president and he wanted to speak to with see, them
2: <laughs> to see him yeah he wasn't just a huge <laughs> huge fan of Ronald Reagan's golf game yeah I demand was- to
0: be his caddy <laughs> yeah
1: I didn't know if it was some sort of like uh, open prison kind of hostage situation where it's like, you're my hostage, but you can play through. <laughs> you can keep kind of play like gun to the back of his head as he's swinging his iron.
2: But no. Well, uh,
0: so, well so give us your best kid? fact. Give us your best fact.
2: I'm not going to go best fact, but in, in researching this, I was interested to know how difficult. So to, also I kind of, was under the impression that when you won the masters, you became a member at Augusta. I thought that was the significance of being given the green jacket. As it turns out, that isn't true. It gives you the rights to go to the course, but you are not considered a full member. And there are actually only two living golfers, professional golfers who are members at Augusta. One is Jack Nicholas. The other is I'm actually guessing. technically a former amateur, but extremely successful amateur. Um, but no one else, no other current professional golfers are members. Um, so that was interesting to find out. And then I tried to see, look into, how do you become a member at Augusta? you know, Just in case they listen to this and they think, well, these three guys should definitely get memberships. As it turns out, one of the great rules as to how you become a member is to never let them know that you want to be a member. suppose that immediately rules you out. The other disappointing thing is Frank uh-oh. I'm afraid you may never be a member at Augusta because one thing they are very strict on is being quiet and you have to be quiet <laughs> at all times.
0: You know what? I probably wouldn't fit
2: in there. <laughs> no quiet. No cell phones. Hey, top your, fives. <laughs> where, yeah. Wear your green jacket at all times when you're on the grounds. Cause you have to leave your jacket there. That's the other rule so you as as the winner you get to spend 12 months with your jacket out of the grounds so that you can sort of go to photo shoots and various things but once you are no longer reigning masters champion you have to put it back in a locker room and it stays there and cannot leave the premises
1: well you can play once you get the green jacket you you can you're eligible to play the masters for the rest of like your career as long as you want yes. don't you cuz that's yeah. why like sandy lyle is playing and people yes. like that at the moment, because you've got these like 60 year old men just like walking around. No one really understands why they're there. And it's like, I won the green jacket once. So it's like, course you did, granddad.
0: <laughs> green jacket, old jacket, who gives a shit?
2: <laughs> that's actually the interesting thing I found out too, and in looking into it, I always thought the green jacket was either a membership reward or was was the prize. And that's what had created the idea of wearing this jacket. As it transpires, it was created because they were hosting the tournament and they have their members sort of patrol the grounds to help uh, people, non-members, find their way around. So they created the green jacket so that non-members would be able to identify members and then ask for assistance when they were attending the Masters. So it's basically Uh. like being a member of staff, being given the jacket. And actually, like during Augusta, they wear, they are members Roam the grounds wearing their green jackets and a name badge. Gotcha.
0: See, now this is interesting because one of the questions I was going to bring up to you guys that we could discuss a little bit is whether getting the green jacket would be one of the best, uh, let's call it a trophy award that you could get. In term, but now looking back on it, it, you really only get to keep it for a year, so that kind of loses the argument. But for argument's sake, let's say you can keep it for more than a year. Is that kind of one of the cooler trophies that you could get, considering that you know you could go out on a Saturday night to a nice restaurant and throw on like your your Green Masters winning jacket?
2: <laughs> no, because it's it's horrifically ugly. Yeah, but.
0: <laughs> But if you walked in to any place and someone said, man, that's a really ugly jacket, the guy next to him is going to be like, dude, that's so-and-so. He won the Masters four years ago. And then they're like, Well, here's the thing is,
2: I feel like people would only, so I have got to be like Tiger Woods for it to be like, oh, no, it's not an ugly jacket. It's actually an incredibly prized piece of item of clothing. But if you're just a random, like, say, for example, they allowed their members to wear the jacket outside of the golf club and you went out to dinner somewhere in like new york and you wore your green like augusta yeah. members jacket it's not yeah, no, exactly. that's,
0: that's not what i'm saying though i'm saying if you if you were a professional athlete what trophy or award would you want to win in golf no no, in anything it but has like, what, would be like, what would be like the coolest one do you know what i mean so for instance if you won let's say the stanley cup that's a great thing, but all you're getting is your name on the cup and you really can never showcase it except that one day you get to keep it after you win, you know, and the rest of the time it's just locked up in the the hall of fame. So like that's not a, a really a great award or trophy to win. For so an a good one, yeah. For yeah, like you as a person, which one would you want to to win? So like oh. a good one would be like the Heisman like that would be a pretty cool one because then you can put that on your mantle and everyone knows what the Heisman looks like. Do you know Super what I mean? Super so ugly it's, like, it's iconic. What about the Olympic, Olympic gold?
2: Yeah, it's yeah, an Olympic the gold medal, medal. And it's right? not close. It's an Olympic yeah, uh, gold. It's not
1: close. Uh, it's
2: not close to me. Because especially think, if you
1: get it in like the equestrian sports as well, like eventing. <laughs> like that's the one you want. To have.
2: I think anyone in the world, like, okay, the Heisman's cool, but I think... Like, if my mother went to someone's house and they had the Heisman Trophy, she wouldn't care. She would, she would obviously be interested if they told explain the significance and stuff, but actually seeing it or whatever wouldn't mean anything to her. Whereas I think seeing and touching an Olympic gold medal would be interesting to anyone in the world. Like, you could not like sports, but you'd be like, I want to touch the metal. I want to see how heavy it is. I want to see what it feels like. Like, I would want to see the details on it. Like, I think no matter who you are, even if you dislike sports, you would be interested in that.
0: So what about, are there any recognizable ones in maybe like tennis?
2: It's it's big trophies then. I mean, yeah, you get to keep your copy of the wimbledon trophy that would be pretty cool but i mean again the advantage the masters jacket has to it and even actually an olympic gold medal is the portability right
0: yeah that and and that's why i think it's cool because see what you're saying about it being ugly i think makes it that much cooler of a trophy in quotations to win because then if you do wear it out someone would be like man, that's the ugliest fucking jacket I ever saw, bro. And you could be like, yeah, listen, I won the Masters. Go fuck off. You know, like it's... It, <laughs> <laughs> it has that play. You, you know, you, you can really play into it. I, I would
1: go... I would actually say that maybe the Claret Jug is in golf, probably maybe more famous to have. It's the oldest for a start. I'm, I'm going to say the Claret Jug would be what about the, it, it, uh, it's cool. small for so for a start it's small it's historic um but actually i just read about it and that's something you're only allowed to keep for a year then you give it back and then you get a replica for the rest of you know the okay. time so i guess
0: theoretically you do get one but now um, wait 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 speaking of that that here's a good question then say you're a let's say you're a not so great golfer and you go out, play the four rounds of your life, win the Masters, get your green jacket for the year. Do you then go out and get an exact replica green jacket so that you can continue to wear a green jacket and hope that no one knows that the real one gets returned?
2: (laughs) See, And that's like your claim to fame? (laughs) I don't think so because everything that I was looking into about Augusta is they're so strict. Like they don't allow their members to speak about being members outside of Augusta. Like all of these The sorts first of things. rule
1: of Fight Club. Yeah, it is Fight Club. It's <laughs> the original Fight Club.
2: It is the original Fight Club, but for men in their 70s and 80s. The average age of Augusta membership is 71 at the moment. Jeez. Um, Christ, and they're going to be new members soon. That's well, got to turn over be- soon. You can only become a new member when someone dies or gives up is kicked out or gives up there. Um, the other thing I thought was quite cool is that you get billed. So you, all the things that you like, n- not dinners from what I understand, but you can go and stay there and all the kind of facilities that you can use at Augusta when you're a member, you just receive one bill at the end of the year. Wow, that's
0: gotta be a massive bill.
2: Well, no, so it, if, for example, the interesting thing is because they make so much money from the masters, that they're, I mean, that's one of the things people always say, right, is that it's re, it's the cheapest or the least expensive golfing tournament to attend as a spectator, where like a beer is $5, a sandwich is $3. Like they make everything really affordable because they make so much money from the brand as a whole. And they yeah. have the same thing from members. So the dinners are all really reasonably priced. To stay a night there costs $100 if you're a member. Wow. So... You know, everything is cheap, relatively speaking. Even from a membership standpoint, the uh, initial fee that you have to pay to become a member is between forty and $50,000, which sounds like a lot, but when you compare it to other super prestigious golf courses, it's really not a lot. And then the monthly, I mean the monthly, the annual dues are $5,000, which again, oh, wow. compared, compared to prestigious golf courses is nothing. Just to
1: give you an idea, St Andrews in Scotland, I think is about a hundred thousand.
0: Never, never heard of it. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty sure it's in Scotland. But <laughs> I know that's not what you meant, but the way you threw the I think and it was like I think. But uh, yeah, so from what I saw, I think Wentworth is the highest. It's a hundred and seventy thousand pounds a year. So I mean in, on on that on those grounds, Augusta looks an absolute bargain.
0: I would say another funny one would potentially be winning the Ashes. but
2: And having, well, you don't get to personally keep But you
0: that. don't get to keep it, I know. No. But then the whole irony of it being like this tiny, tiny little trophy that we have seen in person.
2: Yes, it's, it's true.
1: permanently in the MCC, isn't it? Like that's the fun
0: story is that the Aussies, even if they win, they never truly get it. You never get their true one. And it's like super tiny. It's like the size of a coffee mug.
1: Do you yeah, know what's no. in it?
0: Do you know the story, Frank? No. Is is the person who invented cricket his ashes in there? No. That would be so
1: <laughs> what in that tiny, <laughs> tiny Like He was like one foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Eddie, correct me if I'm wrong with the details, but it's to do with... Wait, real quick.
0: Describe what the ashes is first.
1: It's literally the ashes of wickets that were burnt at Lord's.
2: The bales yeah i think
1: yeah the ba- the bales were burned because england lost pretty humiliating to the aussies i can't remember why and people ran on the pitch and burnt the bales basically as like a it should never what happen the... again kind of thing
0: okay
2: the and bales just... are if you imagine the three stumps in the ground the bales are the two pieces of wood that sit on top of those three stumps
0: gotcha gotcha So that
2: explains why the ashes are relatively small. And so, yes, they are contained (laughs) within this very tiny sort of jug almost. But it's it's very, very small. And the thing is, they do this, not that it's intentionally misleading, but normally when you see a picture of it, it's obviously a close-up picture. So if you've only seen a few pictures and you're ahead at first, you imagine it to be a normal-sized trophy. You obviously see it every year when they, well, not every two years when they win. Uh, you'll see the team holding the replica of it, so you you see the size then. But it can at times you could go a little bit of time thinking that you were going to see some normal size trophy, and then you see this sort of thimble of ashes.
0: And, so, and for those who don't know about the Ashes, it's it's a Test cricket series between England and Australia, and it's been going on since what, like eight, late eighteen hundreds, a- right? eighteen eighty
1: two. Yeah. Um. The trophy is 10 and a half centimeters high. <laughs> it's so tiny. I just brought it up now. So it's, it's to do with like, uh, there was great dismay about Australia defeating England. So they wrote an obituary in a newspaper. And then there's something to do with like, so many people were upset about it that they literally burned things and put
0: <laughs> them in a thing. So That's four inches for Americans. That is a tiny trophy. (laughs) Like it's to the point where you could almost not even hold it. (laughs) So the other good Masters thing I had was the Tuesday dinner. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but every Tuesday, yeah. Every Tuesday before the start of the Masters, all the champions get together and have dinner together. And the person who won it last sets the menu. So this year, the menu was set by Tiger. This was his menu. Okay. So it's they all follow the same things, appetizer, dinner, dessert, you know, three quarters. So his appetizer was the Augusta roll. Tempura shrimp, spicy tuna, avocado, eel sauce, tempura flakes, pickled ginger, wasabi, soy sauce. So standard, you know, kind of like sushi, shrimp tempura roll. His dinner was prime steak and chicken fajitas, grilled vegetables, refried beans, Mexican rice, pico, sour cream, guacamole, flour, tortillas. His dessert was a dessert trio of classic flan, churros, and sopapillas, and then two different wines. So he went kind of strange to me in a somewhat Asian slash Mexican theme, which I didn't really understand where that was coming from. The first time he won in 1998, he would have been what? How old? Was he like
2: 19? I think.
0: Right, 18, 19. Right. That year, his menu was cheeseburgers, chicken sandwiches, French fries, and vanilla and strawberry milkshakes.
2: (laughs) Isn't that the time when that the other golfer joked that it was going to be fried chicken? Wasn't that the? (laughs) Yes, it was. was. Oh no. Uh, Was it Garcia? Was it Garcia? I don't think it was Garcia.
1: I I know Garcia said something that was like a racist jibe, but we're also forgetting Eddie. I know you did your presidential things, but mm-hmm. Tiger Woods was
0: my presidential ticket. <laughs> so,
2: That's true. That is true. Future president. president
0: Tiger. Yeah. So so in regards to that, I then found since 1986 all of the menus. Are there any in particular that you would be interested in hearing? Since when, sorry? Since 1986.
1: Okay, let's do 87, my birthday. Well, so what was the one after?
0: So, so oh, I sorry, actually I, I don't any- I don't have 87.
1: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so so do you have 86 and then 88 for some reason?
0: I have 86
2: and then 89 <laughs> for some reason. So I know Sandy Lyle had haggis. I know that's Sandy a Lyle one.
0: 1989 had haggis, mashed potatoes, and mashed turnips.
2: Yeah, it's awful. Now you do have this is the interesting thing. You do have the option of just ignoring what they've provided and ordering from the standard menu if you don't like (laughs) anything they've done.
0: Yeah, and you see there's a trend that it's usually representative of their nationality. I'd like to know what
2: I'd like to know what VJ Singh okay.
0: So I was gonna say Nick Faldos was fish and chips. VJ Singh had oh boy. (laughs) <laughs> Seafood Tomka, chicken curry, baked sea-, sea scallops with garlic sauce, rack of lamb with yellow curry sauce, baked fillet chili and sea bass with three flavor chili sauce, and then lychee sorbet for dessert. What about Sometimes.
1: the what about the South Africans? Yeah. Um, Ernie I'm trying Ells. to think. Ernie Os did Gooseon win it as well? And then there's the other one. I can't remember his name.
2: Louis Ustazen. Um,
1: Ustazen, yeah. What did they? What did the South Africans have? Was it Nando's? <laughs> <laughs> when did
0: Louis Ustazen win?
2: I don't know About if to- Ustazen actually won the Masters. I think he won a yeah. different major. I think he won the so Open. Who'd you, who'd you say? Ernie Els. Ernie Els is won the Masters. Pretty sure. Yeah,
0: his isn't on here, but I I had seen it before. It was something rep representative of South Africa.
2: Did every everyone just get a blood diamond? you can eat it but you can shove it down the neck of one of the uh, african-american servers this is what this is what you're allowed to do
1: well are you, are you just going for the film blood diamond here like did he did he basically the starter was asked if you want short-sleeved or long-sleeved
2: <laughs> yes exactly perfect yes exactly and that's what inspired matt damon just happened matt damon uh, leonardo dicaprio just happened to be in attendance matt damon was there too
1: no i swear there's was it Schwarzel or Emmelman oh, no, Imel- yeah, Imel- yeah. was in? Yeah, Charles Schwarzel. Schwarzel, wasn't yeah. he South African? When did he win?
0: I got to here, 2011. Phil Mickelson won 2011. Charles Schwarzel won 2012. Okay, opening course consisting of a chilled seafood bar, which includes shrimp, lobster, crab meat, crab legs, and oysters. The main course is a how do it's a braille... A South African barbecue, a bray, bray, yeah. bray, includes lamb chops, steaks, and South African sausages, a.k.a. blood diamond sausages. Dessert of vanilla ice cream sundae. <laughs> also in the mix are salads, cheeses, plus sides such as sauteed sweet corn, green beans, and potatoes. Interesting. Blood diamond sausage is tough on the teeth, isn't it?
2: What did Phil Mickelson serve up? Was it just a pair of uh, soft, moist tits? So (laughs) Mickelson, actually, (laughs) like a cake. (laughs) And they're like whipped cream. (laughs) uh,
0: Mickelson's kind of sound like they definitely suit his physique. So the first one in 2005, when he won, was lobster ravioli and a tomato cream sauce. That just sounds like something he eats three pounds of and with like 8,000 <laughs> calories. His, and also had Caesar salad and garlic bread. His next one was 2011. He had a Spanish-themed menu with seafood paella and filet mignon as the entrees. Also includes a salad course, asparagus, and tortillas as sides. I don't know why you throw just tortillas with uh, paella. That doesn't make sense. Plus ice cream topped apple and pinata for dessert.
2: This just sounds, Phil Mickelson's menus just sound like what you would get at a reasonably nice country club. That's basically what he's gone for.
0: Oh, and oh, I missed 2007 when he won. That was not what you'd have at a nice country club. Barbecued ribs, chicken, sausage, and pulled pork with coleslaw. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> unless their country club is is down south
2: <laughs> well which this one happens to be but th- that's <laughs> the thing is again i like the people who do try and bring something I, regional i guess it's harder for phil mickelson um although having a spanish theme seems a little bit weird
0: was that was it possibly a year that he beat sergio garcia is he just rubbing it in wait did garcia win though? yes two, win, two years ago Three yeah. years ago, I guess now. Oh, his menu began with an international salad with ingredients chosen to represent the countries of past masters champions. Doesn't say what though. That's the entree was the entree was Arroz Caldoso de Bogavante, a traditional Spanish lobster rice. And wow. for dessert, Garcia chose his mother's recipe for Trace Leche's cake, which Tiger Woods says was the worst he's ever had in his life. Wait, is that true or did yeah, yeah. you make that <laughs> up? No, I made that up. That <laughs> would Which be Tiger great. Woods said tasted like dog shit. <laughs> um, Yeah, so Tiger Woods has evolved over the years in his taste for food. So he started with the cheeseburgers. Then his next one in 2002 went to the porterhouse steak and chicken with the sushi appetizer. Then in 2013, he brought back the porterhouse steak, chicken, and sushi. And then also on the menu, he added some sashimi, salad, crab cakes, asparagus, mashed potatoes, and a chocolate truffle cake. He just went for it in 2003. That was probably the height of his. I'm about to back out of my driveway and hit a car and ruin my life stage.
2: <laughs> yeah each each attendee each attendee was given a burner phone as well. <laughs>
0: with with a preloaded number of a woman of their choosing
2: a hundred of their choosing
0: (laughs) 2006 he then see then he starts to switch into this mexican theme he did stuffed jalapeno and quesadilla appetizers with salsa guacamole steak fajitas chicken fajitas and apple pie and ice cream for dessert and then he didn't win for a while after that that was the end (laughs) Yeah. That was the beginning of the what end. What do you think, um, if
1: DeChambeau wins it this year, what do you think it'll be like, just protein shakes next year? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny if he did that. And then yeah, you have his Englishman a, just, in as 2017. A joke,
2: that would actually be a good joke, but he doesn't have the sense of humor necessary to do yeah. that. But even if he did just put on like, like a gourmet protein shake, as like power
1: bars, like stuck like in a, it. <laughs>
2: it's like the Amuse Bouche, but he doesn't yeah. have the uh, he doesn't have the sense of humor.
0: 2017 was a good one.
2: I I cannot imagine. I mean, Danny Willett is such a wet sponge that I cannot imagine what he's <laughs> what he's going to deliver up is going to be great.
0: You want to take a guess? Soup. <laughs> no. So here, here's the hint I'll give you. He, the He does, like, a plate that is pretty representative of England.
2: Full English breakfast. (laughs) Oh, wait, (laughs) what about a Plowman's? Oh, bangers and mash?
0: He did a Sunday roast. Okay. That would be pretty good, though. That's pretty fitting for a...
2: Yeah, so his menu was
0: to start mini cottage pies. Then he did a traditional Sunday... Yeah, (laughs) mini, mini...
1: (laughs) meat and potato for your starter before
0: meat and potato for your main so for those who don't know it's similar to a shepherd's pie but made with beef rather than lamb according to the website and then the entree was just
2: that's not just according to the website that's what it is yeah i
0: know do you do you have a different take on it
2: it's very easy shepherds take care of sheep so shepherd's pie lamb
0: Uh, And then the Sunday roast was prime rib, roasted potatoes and vegetables and Yorkshire pudding. That'd be good. One of the best things, Yorkshire puddings. They are one of the best. Are you happy I pronounced it correctly?
2: Yeah, you did well. Always been one of those interesting things to me that it hasn't taken off in the US because in many ways it seems like the perfect American food.
0: Uh, Yorkshire pudding?
2: Yeah. 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 You must have. Yeah. Because you can also
1: make a meal in it. You can actually yeah. put all of the ingredients in the Yorkshire pudding, like a giant Yorkshire pudding. Kind
0: of like a pie almost.
1: Or
2: like Top a toad the in Viette. the hole. Yeah. Yeah, toad yeah. in a hole as well. Yeah. That would go down well at a
1: <laughs> Well, I if think... Casey wins, maybe maybe we should tell him on Perdition. our podcast, Toad in a Hole.
2: Yeah, there we go. There's our our suggestion. So if he does Toad in the Hole, it's because he's a listener. <laughs> all we need him to do now is win. So should we then uh discuss our bets of the week, see if Sam's uh, bleeding out. He is struggling. He is on the operating table. They are frantically, frantically trying to save his life. They have pulled out, I apologize for what I'm about to say, but they have pulled out the desquidulator and they are desperately trying to save him.
1: I, I don't know what to do here. I'm... I'm at a loss. I'm bleeding out. I'm bleeding cash, guys. So maybe Sam a...
0: needs to maybe Sam needs to pass his bet on to Sam the Squid and let the squid choose. And I actually, honestly, Sam for week,
1: the problem was because I I know something about NFL. I honestly was tempted just to let this week just be like almost point and point and pick basically, but I I couldn't do it. I I, I know enough for that to be a stupid idea. So
2: because right. just to give the state. To play to everyone listening. So we all started with 100,000 fictional dollars. Uh, we started in week six. Uh, since then, Sam has not had a winner in his bets of the week. <laughs> and, and he is down to 50,000 remaining. Uh, Frank and I, we've both had a couple winners each. I'm currently now, so my bet of the week last week won, and that pushed me up to 118,900. And Frank had two bets of the week, one of which won, which has put him back to 75,000. So 25,000 down on the year, but he was at 60,000 last week. So profitable last week.
0: Okay, I've, I've got mine ready, locked and loaded. Okay, for fire away. So I'm going to roll over my winnings. So just the 15 and i'm going to get a little risky on this one i need i need the home run shot now's the time so i'm going a four team parlay all money line throw those spreads out i don't need those points give me the bills the seahawks the titans and penn state 0-3 against Nebraska. That pays out 13-1. to Put my 15K on that bet. Again, Bills, Seahawks, Titans, Penn State football.
2: Interesting and bold coming off a Penn State humiliation last week. Yes,
0: but if there's anything I know, is Nebraska could be the worst team in the Big Ten. And eventually, Penn State has to turn around and win. They aren't I that th- bad of a team to go for. Like,
2: I feel like the Frank approach of eventually this football team has to turn it around has not done has not aged very well so far. I though. mean,
0: they have a significantly better team than Nebraska, and you know they have a good QB in Clifford and Clifford, and and they they should be dominating Nebraska. Although while you guys are picking, did any of you hear your, the story from the running back on Penn State? No. Uh, Journey Brown is his name. He had to retire from football because they found out he had an enlarged heart, and because now he's at like a high risk for literally dying on the field from from the enlarged heart. <laughs> what a
2: way! What a way with words you have. A High yeah. risk of literally dying.
0: I mean, like it's. If, if you like, you can't do physical, like high demanding, uh, aerobic sports with it anymore. So that's like, there was a really famous marathoner who died from an enlarged heart, uh, during the U S trials, Olympic trials for the marathon. It was like a really sad story. Um, he was actually one of the contenders to win the trial and died during the trial. Uh, so yeah, it was actually pretty sad cause he was definitely going to be, uh, journey Brown would have been an NFL pick for sure. Um, he was the one, I don't know if you had last year in the, when they played Memphis in the bowl game. He, like, destroyed it, had 200-plus yards or something like that. So this would have been probably been his last year and then probably went into the draft. But, yeah, that kind of sucks. I mean, that's a shitty way to go out. Like, nothing you can tell is wrong with you. And then one day a doctor's like, yeah, I'm sorry to tell this, but you can't play football anymore. Sorry. Like, seemingly waking up, feeling fine, and then having to be told you can't play anymore.
2: <laughs> I've got – I've got my bet of the weekend and I'm going simple treble or three team accumulator, all money line NFL. And that is the Buccaneers, the Saints, and the Eagles. I'm going to stick $25,000 on it and it returns
0: 2.68. Wow, it's crazy. We each have three NFL teams and none of them overlap. <laughs> that
2: is impressive. <laughs> So if you put both bets on, you might have a chance.
0: All right.
1: So for me, a uh, question. There's a horse I like tomorrow at Cheltenham. Are you going to let me have it? It depends when this airs. I, I yeah. will. Okay. I will. All right. So for me, there, um, there's rugby this weekend with the Autumn Nations Cup, which is like a new format thing. And um, – Scotland. He's going deep. He's going deep into his bag of tricks. <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these are So I really like Ireland uh, uh, playing Wales. I, I think it's a good bet. They're about one to four, but it's I, I think Ireland are a good team, a uh, really good team. Uh, Scotland are away to Italy, and again I think that's a Scotland are pretty decent, so I think that's a pretty good bet. Um, I'm also going to take the Raiders money line against the Broncos and the, so jumps, really happy to see it back, really happy to see Cheltenham. And one of my kind of favorite courses at Cheltenham is the cross country chase in the middle with all the kind of undulations, the ups and downs. It's, it's a brilliant race to Ooh. watch. Um, and the three o'clock at Cheltenham tomorrow, so Friday, today when this airs, uh, there's the return of a horse called Easy's Land and um it's reuniting its um rivalry with tiger roll now the thing with Deezy's land it'll probably go off about it's four to six at the moment in the in the odds but this horse last year beat tiger roll in the say, in the Cheltenham festival by 17 lengths pretty similar ground um before that in this equivalent cross-country chase it beat amazing comedy by seven lengths even though tiger roll has now got a like a closer Weight against it, Easy's Land's a really good horse, and so I think four to six is a good bet. So you've got to put for me uh, a ten to twenty-one, a four to six, a one to five, one to four. It's three
2: three point six three.
1: Yeah, so it's three point six three for me, and i I am teetering on going all in, but I think I've got. <laughs> I've got one. You I, can't go
0: all in because then it defeats the purpose of this. Yeah.
2: Wow.
1: You, you say I'm <laughs> bleeding like out.
2: You, well, because it also means that you're either out or you would be winning. <laughs> like it's the move. Oh, it's kind of on? like gaming the system in a way because you're not obviously facing the real life consequences of bankruptcy. All right. like, but you're I, like,
0: I am going to go 15K. Going against Tiger Roll, a ballsy move. With no money left? I mean, Cheltenham Festival, Easy's Land absolutely
1: hosed Tiger Roll. Okay. And it needed, so Tiger Roll's had the run. It had it on the flats, which we mentioned a couple of weeks ago was a weird one, but they blew the cobwebs off fine. It's got a closer weight to Easy's Land. Easy's Land is a six year old horse. Tiger Tiger Roll is an old, old horse. But this Easy's Land has now cleaned up the cross country trace twice and it's an impressive feet to be doing that um it's only a six-year-old horse as well it's a really impressive horse so i think four to six is good value
0: Well, there you have it sam's sam's going way deep into his bag of tricks to go with a friday friday cheltenham horse selection and what was it the autumn cup rugby selections
2: and an nfl raiders pick Surprising, he didn't take England, who are forty-point favorites against. Well, one, two, one to one to five hundred to win? Yes, well, I'll, safe. I'll, I'll
0: actually, I'll tell you what I was leaning towards making my bet of the week is: you have the UEFA Nations League starting back up this weekend, and I really like Belgium on a little revenge tour against England.
2: The BBC posted this team made up of football manager wonder kids from the 2011 version of football manager so frank for anyone who plays fm each version of the game comes out with i'd say around 50 wonder kids maybe who just once everyone knows it's the players you're desperate to sign their their players sort of 21 or under high potential players so you buy them and then they'll develop and oh so wait historic- real quick
0: real quick football manager already like they've kind of set the the attributes in like you don't know but they've already identified who theirs are and just put them in the game and then once you select them and and go through the seasons you realize who they are kind of
2: so what you'll have is with your players i'm not going to do the best job of explaining this but you'll have the current ability of the player and then you have the potential ability of a player and the game kind of caps what it thinks the potential ability of it is but then it gets randomized so if you play it like if i play the game one time then Lionel Messi would have turned out to be the best player in the world and you might have played it another time and Lionel Messi turns out to be very good, but not that great. So you never know. It will depend on the team that they are and the kind of coaching they receive, how much playing time they get. So there are some factors that you control that can affect it, but it's kind of randomized in your version of the game each time. Now, the BBC released this team of uh, 11 Uh, Wonder Kids, all of whom were playing in England in 2011 when the game was released. Now, it's fair to say that none of these players fulfilled their potential. Certainly none of them developed into Wonder Kids. The interesting and maybe slightly depressing thing is three of them have gone on to play for Blackburn Rovers.
0: (laughs) So So obviously they just play football manager.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Now, Sam or Frank, you're familiar, two of them have played for, well, they've all played for Blackburn, obviously, relatively recently, because we're not talking about that old version of a game. Can you guess which Blackburn players of recent seasons, one of whom still plays for Blackburn, are listed as Wonder Kids in 2011?
0: So what's the age in 2011 that there would be a Wonder Kid?
2: I think officially it's under tw- 21 or under, I believe. I want to...
1: No, I don't know if this is too early. It might be hilarious. You can laugh at me. All the viewers can laugh at me. Was Matt Jansen by chance one of them?
2: No. Matt Jansen by 2011 had had a horrific carnage there. He was, had been in a coma and he... <laughs> You're so. <laughs> <laughs> for context, Frank, Matt Jensen was a Blackburn Rovers player who had a couple of very good seasons and was in the. He was picked in the preliminary England squad for the 2002 Football World Cup.
1: There we go. <laughs> um, I, I knew I got my timings. I thought I got my timings wrong, but I just. just a little bit off.
2: And then in the end, uh, Sven Jorn Eriksson, S- Matt Jensen missed the final warm up game because he had the flu and he didn't play. I think it was against Chile, if I remember correctly, but that could be way off, didn't play. And then in the end, Ericsson decided that they didn't need an extra attacking option. They needed an extra defensive option. And so instead of Jansen, he took Martin Keon. In the end, Martin Keon played a total of zero minutes over the course of the World Cup as England lost in the quarterfinals to Brazil. Matt Yensen, in order to take his mind off of the World Cup, went on holiday with his girlfriend to Rome, and at one point decided to rent some scooters and zip around the Colosseum. And he was hit by a taxi driver and had a very severe accident, was in a coma for three days. And when he awoke from his coma, couldn't remember who he was or what football was, and then had to go through a several years of rehabilitation in which he learned how to play football again and never really hit the heights that he had once promised to have.
1: His recovery was a wonder kid. Yes. All right. It was an
2: incredible recovery, the fact that he ever played Premier League football again. But no. Anyway, right, any sorry. other? Okay,
1: I know I Yeah, know I've one. got two. I know I've one. I've got okay. two.
2: One of them All is wait, Lewis wait, Holtby. Wait, no, you already
1: went. You already went. No, 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 I'm going. It's Lewis no. Holtby because he was Schalke. Uh, and I remember Schalke had some good players.
2: Lewis Holtby is Lewis one of them, yes.
0: You're an asshole. He is.
2: He and Frank definitely was going to get him because then the current players, Frank was going to get him. I'll give you each a point for that one. Uh, can you get either of the other two?
0: They don't play anymore.
2: For Blackburn, no. They still both they, currently play football.
0: Did they play last year for Blackburn?
2: One of them played two seasons ago. Oof. I'll give you another clue on the one that played two seasons ago. He most recently will have been famous for a somewhat starring role in a documentary. That doesn't help me. It is Jack Rodwell, who of course was famous for his his little part in the documentary about Sunderland when he was refusing to leave the club and give up his enormous salary. And the final one, just because you definitely won't get it, is Delfonso. Now, the one that will bring back the most memories for you, Sam, from this list of Wonder Kids is definitely Sonogo, who for a while in football yeah, yeah. manager was just an unbelievable goal scorer. And he what was in like Bordeaux, his...
0: wasn't he, or something like that yeah. in the game? Yeah. So now yeah, you're saying the there's going. none of them really panned out from this year, from the 2011?
2: I'll give you the full list. So it's Smithies, Wilson, Alex like
0: Smithies, yeah.
2: Coates. Muniesa, Bebe from Manchester United. Oh,
1: wow. For, what if, I, I think Ferguson's come out and said that was his worst ever signing.
2: Yeah. I mean, the former homeless man who turned into a <laughs> weird signing for Manchester United. Uh, McKechn, Ravel Morrison, Jack Rodwell, Lewis Holtby, Delfonso, and Sanogo.
1: I remember it's, those.
2: It's not the best list of wonder kids. They've obviously intentionally chosen failures, I will say. So it's a little bit unfair, but uh, it was an interesting one to look at in the moment when I realized three fairly recent Blackburn players were on there. It was, it was just a bit disappointing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is that okay. So do you think that's indicative of them being good at scouting or them being really bad at scouting and signing that they wait till after other teams have given up on players that had been predicted to be good, so then they take them to give them a shot.
2: Um, probably yeah. I don't I wouldn't give the Blackburn Scouting department very high marks. Ever since the Mark Hughes era ended, basically, I think that. That was the end of the finding diamonds in the rough. Mark Hughes found several during his time in Craig Bellamy, Rocky Santa Cruz, Chris Samba. You know, he had, he had quite a few that came out. I think technically Morton Gamps-Petterson was, I think actually Petterson might've been a Hughes signing now that I think about it. Um. So, but ever since then, no, they were they're just predictable. I do wish sometimes, I mean, football manager is praised regularly for the way that it's, is database is accurate on predicting great players. And I wish sometimes now Everton famously paid to see the kind of, to go under the hood on the football manager database and they use it as a scouting tool. They aren't alone in that respect. Lots of football clubs do use it as a rough guide as to know where to look. Sometimes I wish Blackburn could have just listen to who the football manager wonder kids were and then just go after them. I mean, Lewandowski was a, is a good example. He was great in the game for a few years when he was just plying his trade in Poland. And obviously Blackburn came incredibly close to signing him. But if you just pulled the trigger on some of these guys, I think you would, you'd be profitable just on going with let's sign 10 football manager wonder kids and hope that one of them pays off.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think for next week, for Monday, not that I think any of us are going to win the Masters, who knows till up in the air. Maybe we can fly out there and get a quick first round in before sundown. We should think about what your menu would be. And Eddie, maybe you can even throw this on Twitter for people to reply on to what they think their menu would be if they won the
2: Masters. All right. I'll put that out there. We'll see what I'm very
0: interested in, in Eddie's actually, because He is a self-proclaimed American who...
2: Wait, no, 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 no. (laughs) Who
0: who calls himself English but lives in France his whole life.
2: None of those Very interested
0: to see what he picks.
2: Almost none of those are Are you going to do like
0: one of each? Like is your appetizer going to be like escargot? Your main course is going to be like um, something English and then your dessert is going to be like apple pie?
2: So I'm gonna do escargot, toad in the hole,
0: and, apple and pie. then,
2: and then a <laughs> ice cream cake. sundae. <laughs> that sounds so bad. And then my goal is to eliminate former champions as my competitors. So just, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna order from the traditional Augusta menu, and I'm gonna let all <laughs> of them get food, food poisoning.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's hope for a little better on our weekend bets, except for Sam. I kind of want to see Sam just collapse. I want to see what I want to have to know what we're gonna have to do when
1: someone hits zero. (laughs) I'm gonna loan. I'll loan and pay you back
0: if I if I come good. Yeah, we can give him.
2: Yeah, we can we'll introduce that rule. We can loan him money from our fictional prize pot.
0: But then we get a higher percentage of
2: the winnings. Yeah, we get to charge him interest. We negotiate on air what interest rate he takes. Um, I will also say we also discussed the fact that on Monday we'll do our midseason, although slightly after midseason, sort of NFL awards and maybe power rankings. I'm just going to say now that the winner of the Hewitt midseason MVP award will be given a beautiful purple jacket, black purple. Well, some of the others are taken, right? Like other colors get used, <laughs> green's taken the kind of yellow is take like gold is taken by the foot like the a- football hall of fame
0: i think our mvp pick is going to be completely split i think we're going to be one one and
2: one here's a question which jacket is uglier the football hall of fame jacket or the master's jacket i mean There's the fact interesting...
1: that it's gold it's got to be the master's jacket is nicer looking this gold jacket sounds awful it's not even gold it's like
2: puke gold yeah, like okay, faded, now it's been, Sorry, it's like I changed. Oh,
1: change my decision. Then. <laughs> now it's a bit more pukey.
2: It honestly, it looks like you bought a jacket in 1975 and then left it in the sun ever since then. And it just kind of like gradually faded over time. And then you decided to put it on. And they were like, here's the greatest honor of your life. You finally made it into this elite club. We're recognizing your lifetime and achievements and contributions to the sport we all love put this piece of shit on
0: oh actually i forgot today is ryan gosling's birthday so shout out happy birthday to ryan gosling and uh never forget how terrible of a cornerback he was in remember the titans (laughs) quite possibly the biggest liability on the football field you've ever
2: seen also famous for wearing a jacket in one of his defining career roles
0: yep but what they did say about him, Eddie, was he wasn't much of a player on the field, but he's a great locker room presence. Really good for the locker room. You know, he liked to do all the singing. He got the he got the group kind of into it. Ain't no mountain high enough. He was a locker right. room guy.
2: I say this too, then next week. Let's also throw in the discussion of our top five, oh, I love movie a top five. TV movie or TV athletes if their characters were real life personas.
0: So explain it a little more.
2: So like, you could say that Rocky as a boxer is the greatest boxer of all time. I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing this. So therefore, like the Rocky Balboa character from the movies is like the, he's the in the pantheon of movie Gotcha. Or Got you could you. do it, or you could spin it and go character-based. Like you said, like I could want the, the goalie from the mighty ducks because of what he brings to the team in terms of chemistry.
0: Got it. Got it, okay. So like Willie Beeman, not on my top five, <laughs> not a, not a locker room guy, selfish on the field. Never gonna, never gonna be a consistent winner like that. Yeah,
2: exactly. Or you could say happy Gilmore, greatest athlete of all time. Unstoppable golf player would have never, we're lost. starting to
0: see a real life. Happy Gilmore with a jackass. Yes. Yeah swings out of his shoes
2: yeah it's true it's not far off see there i like him again too if he had like a hockey stickish kind of putter (laughs) if he like embraced the character a little bit if he if he hired a coach with a missing hand like if he had something going where he was just like
0: (laughs) that might not be his fault there may be a short supply of very successful (laughs) golf coaches with one hand and the other hand being a i love it
1: I love it when he wooden, smacks his wooden, wooden,
0: wooden hand. hand. I love it when he smacks his wooden well, hand. He's don't worry, his, don't worry. It's made of wood, real sturdy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, then his coach needs to take one for the team and lop his hand off. Uh, that's funny.
0: Yeah. It, well, I would like Deshampo more if he had any type of personality and wasn't a complete asshole.
2: <laughs> yeah Yeah, I mean, look—the one thing which we've talked about, at least, he's created a kind of villain in the world of golf, which seemed unlikely, but at least he's managed to pull that off.
0: All right, so everyone, stay tuned for Monday. Yeah, you'll hear our mid-season NFL awards and picks, and then our top five greatest TV movie athletes. I like that. All right, I'll talk to you later, boys.
2: See ya. here